Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 1019 with Michelle Politano. It's always going to have its bumps. Everything, everything in life is always going to have its bumps. But I think the standard of what we allow to be acceptable in this industry um, needs to be changed. It needs to be a fulfilling work environment where people can thrive. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Pop Menu. Look, there is a lot of elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Like, are you connecting with your diners and with the right message? And could your kitchen put out more orders than your dining room has room for? There's so much to consider, and it can be overwhelming when you got into this business for the food and the people, and that's why I recommend Pop Menu, and that's why restaurants get Pop Menu, frankly. Pop Menu is technology for restaurants that are ready to grow. For a limited time, get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Restaurant owners and operators, you can make a difference in the lives of your staff and their families by supporting CORE, which stands for Children of Restaurant Employees. CORE is a national nonprofit that provides financial grants to food and beverage service employees with children when either the employee, their child, or their partner faces a life-altering medical crisis or natural disaster. Not only can you share CORE as a benefit in resource with your staff, you can also donate directly or host a fundraising promotion. Core critically needs your financial support to continue to provide relief to restaurant employees that qualify for a grant when life does not go as planned. Support of Core allows you to give back to your employees and restaurant families across the country. Visit coregives.com. Org to learn more. Together, we can make a difference in the lives of those who serve us daily. This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Why are you still taking phone calls when you have online services that can support the majority of your guest needs? Redirect your callers so you can focus on the food and the guests across the counter. Reachify is powerful and flexible. For example, with advanced automation and caller deflection, Reachify prevents missed caller opportunities and diverts callers to online actions. Reachify also simplifies workflows for your team, enabling them to operate more efficiently to attract, retain, and engage callers effectively. Reachify, be in control of the conversation you want to have when you're able to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. That's reachify.io slash unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot 
program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, chef, owner of Pianta, Michelle Apolitano. Michelle, are you feeling unstoppable today? I am today? feeling unstoppable today. I am psyched to be here. I love it when my listeners reach out to me and they say, hey, I'm a huge fan of the show. And then I dive in and I'm like, holy shit, this person's figured something out. You know, they're doing a great job. You actually messaged me on a, an Instagram message. I have a Hallmark movie, Energy COVID, Chase Your Dreams story with lots of growth and bumps along the way. And I was like, I, I like lots of growth and bumps along the way. This is There might be some great advice here. And then I started digging deeper. I saw that you got Best New Restaurant 2022 Rhode Island. You also got Best Kosher Rhode Island, Best Vegan Rhode Island, uh, Fan Fave Rhode Island. And you told me there's more since... What are the other ones? We have we have a uh, we have a best appetizer award, a best dessert award. We have another best vegan for the state. We have um, an editor's choice for the state from Rhode Island Monthly, as well as our best new restaurant, Providence. Uh, we have yeah, best kosher from the Jewish Alliance of Rhode Island. We have eight. We're decorated with eight awards That's at awesome. this point. It's and crazy. when did you open? Uh, so, you know, I kind of will get into it, but we opened as a small kind of hole in the wall takeout restaurant with only doing like Grubhub, DoorDash, all that stuff in one of those like ghost kitchen places about two years ago. Two years. Ten months into that, we expanded into the to, into our brick and mortar. Yes, I love this. I love getting a wide swath of people all the way from, hey, I'm at the end of my career. I own 200 restaurants and this is how I did it to, hey, let's go hyper focused, deep into the past two years of just crushing it. And I, I think your story, people like you, uh, resonate with a lot of my listeners who are going through it right now because opening a restaurant 50 years ago and scaling into 200 locations is a different game than it is today, starting from scratch, right? And you have a, a, su- a super inspiring story. I already learned a little bit. I don't want to get too far into yeah. it before we share your success quote or your mantra, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with that success quote and mantra. What do you got for us? Listen, I thought about this and I was like, I want to keep it simple. You can just do it. The things you want to do, you can do it. Everyone else in the world that has done something that you look up to, that you kind of like fantasize about doing what they've done, they've just done whatever they can do with their human means, the same that you can do. Anything that you want in life, if you have a goal, if you have a passion and you put a plan behind it, which is the most important thing is you have to have a plan. It's not just emotion. And can I get it done? It's you have to actually put a plan into place. But anything that you want to do, you are completely capable of getting it done with it. a plan. I love it. Um, and I'll, I'll be honest. The planning is my I'm, – I'm not good at the plan. I'm the kind of person that just dives in and starts. But I think what you said, start – and is the biggest challenge, right? Just, just do it. Just start. Right. Yeah. And definitely have a plan. I'm, I'm actually be trying to be better in this moment <laughs> about having a plan, especially as you start growing beyond just yourself, you need to be able to communicate. You have to get it out. You right. can't just have it internalized. And you can never delegate if you don't have a plan right. either. You know, exactly. So where does it make sense to start sharing your story? Take us back to the beginning. Sure. I mean, so I, 
my whole life, um, I'm 33 years old now. I have, um, I've been working in regional sales management for my whole career, really, until I did this. I've always been cooking. I've been meal prepping for colleagues. I've been catering on the side, um, constantly cooking. Every, everyone I've ever worked with knows me as someone that's going to bring food to the events and this and that. But so I've last been. Last name like Palatana, of course. You I know. Cooking, right? If your last name sounds like a pasta, or, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you got something in you. Um, but yeah, I, I've just, I was working in regional management in different industries um, my entire career. And uh, I got laid off from working in luxury travel in COVID. Of course, travel, COVID, it, right. you know, it checks out that, that they don't, sense. that they downsized. And um, I jumped right back into another job where I was, you know, doing more sales management. And I had this really challenging conversation with my uncle. Um, I don't know my father, which is, uh, I have an amazing family. It doesn't really affect me, but I don't have that kind of male accountability. And so he had this really challenging conversation with me where he basically told me that I was an idiot um, for jumping into another role and that this is my time. And if if not now, when? Um, your time meaning to open your restaurant. To, to do something with food. Um, it. it is very apparent to everyone around me that's close to me my entire life that this is my calling. Um, but I've been super independent. I, I bought a house when I was 25 wow. by myself. I had a mortgage to pay. Like, how do you leave to go start, leave a career, a salaried career with health insurance and everything to go be a line cook for yeah, 30 grand a year? Your mortgage. Like, <laughs> you know, just give it up. <laughs> well, <laughs> I did end up. So, you know, I have this conversation with them and um, I was mad at first. I hung up and I was like, why isn't supporting my new job like shouldn't he be happy I just jumped into something else right away and figured it out in COVID and it, it just it hit me and it wouldn't stop growing in my mind so I started putting things into place on what I wanted to do was it a food truck was it this ghost kitchen that we ended up in um in doing research I kind of made menus and um put it out online what do you guys think of this menu I started inviting friends over to test food and see what they thought of everything and I decided I wanted to do this um I come from very humble beginnings and I don't have the you know, finances to start a restaurant. Um, but I did have a house in a market that was creeping up and I didn't want to be in the area I was in anymore. So I sold my house. I, I made like a hundred K on my house. And, um, it was the first time in my whole life I've ever had money ever, ever, ever. Cause even when I got it through working, I would immediately, um, kind of, like I said, I bought a house and anything I did, I would, I still lived really tight because I was kind of chasing that American dream where you keep getting more right with what you have and uh yeah so i sold my house i um living below your means is a huge thing huge thing especially if you're if you're looking to open a restaurant that's one of my biggest pieces of advice yeah of of advice is look at yourself yep look at your life what do you need what do you don't need like shave whatever is not necessary get your own personal liabilities as low as possible so that your restaurant doesn't you don't need your restaurant to survive right you know like if you have that lifestyle that's like you know like your personal expenses are five thousand plus you could get below a thousand you know like if you're willing to like move in with your parents or do whatever you have to do to like get as lean as possible yeah how bad do you want it Right. You know, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and who are you proving something to? Right. Like, who are you? What What do you? You know, I think for me, it was it, like buying the house and doing all this stuff. It was like proving that I'm like breaking my strata or something like like becoming more successful than whatever I was kind of like what I thought I was born into or what I thought my trajectory would be. Yeah. So I never saw anything of this like grandeur for myself, you know, as you get older and you learn, you kind of realize, like I said before, you can do anything. But I think before I felt like I had to take any opportunity that I had to make money and just kind of be a normal functioning person of society because I didn't see myself accomplishing the things I did in sales management. 
But so I had this conversation with my uncle. I sold my house. I made some money on it. I started doing my research, sending out menus on Reddit and everywhere, just on, online, just gauging people, yeah. gauging my friends. I want to dive deep into that, uh, but I am, I'm, I'm wondering if there's more to your come up uh, than just doing sales. So like, I want to kind of hover over that a little, yeah. a little bit more and like maybe pull back some layers. So what I see real quick, um, graduate from um, Bridgewater. Oh, wait, no, we went back to school for your bachelor's. I see that. So you went to... Um, I went to a community college and then rolled that in. They have like a program that rolls it into. Um, you, you can pick like a, a oh, okay. university. So you, yep. So I did that while I was working full time. Got it. Got it. Got yep. it. So um, you were in sales manager at AT&T. Yep. Uh, what were you selling there? Um, phones, telecom and, and the, you know, all the various things that they brought into it, like home security and all that stuff. Branch but, manager for uh, Citizens Bank. Yep. What were you selling there? Uh, finance. finance. It, it, you, you know, when you're in the industry, you realize regardless, or when you're in regional management, sales are sales. Yeah. And, and banking is sales, even though they don't want you to know that. I mean, it's all it's all commission and it's all Why money. Why don't they want you to know that? Because they want you to think that they're there to help your well-being, <laughs> yeah. but it's all about... I mean, We're they, not here to make money. They have no. margins on uh, on overdraft fees. Like, you have a, a, a target of how many overdraft fees yeah, your branch has. checking fee? What? $30? Yeah. Huh? Oh, Where's that going? It sucked my soul right now. It really <laughs> did. But, uh, but nonetheless, it was, you know, I wore a suit every day. Again, kind of fulfilling that American dream I felt I felt powerful I was 24 putting a suit on to go to work you know I felt I felt a sense of um, accomplishment that wasn't actually real you know this is real this is real right yeah Uh, and then you were with uh, the regional regional sales manager at oddly oddly travel oddly yep oddly travel which is what you mentioned so yeah what did you learn in this period from 2009 to 2020 this this 11 year period not in the industry because you didn't have any restaurant experience before this, did you? No, I mean, I, I had like a short period of time where I left working for the bank. And uh, I mean, I, I worked at Applebee's when I was a kid. Um, and I had a time when I left working for the bank because, like I said, it kind of sucked my soul out. And I like taught Zumba and I was serving at a restaurant um, in at a, at a smaller, really nice restaurant. But um, I, you know, some, was hands on with the chef and stuff like that. So I saw the industry a little bit. But Definitely not nothing to the extent stuck. of, yeah, nothing. I didn't grow up in it. I didn't, yeah. yeah. So where do you, of these three experiences you had, like your, your, your main job, your, your, uh, your, your full-time jobs, right? What skills do you think you picked up that are serving you most today? Oh, uh, managing a P&L, understanding the bigger business view of things. I've always had to have a big picture view of the business, just being in the positions that I was in. Um, and I don't get super focused on the granular elements of anything. I see things big picture and I, you know, I know there's, there's a lot of great chefs out there that can't run a business. Um, there's a lot of people that are great in business, but they're not a chef. And I think that my past experience in such an administrative role, in such a people management role, all of that stuff has allowed me to take the creative element of being a chef and creating these great menus and um, making something wonderful with the food, but balancing it with an actual business plan that works. And I think that that's what's been able to make us so successful. The marketing that we do all through Instagram and through online, not paying for it, um, understanding like how to ask people what they want and deliver on it, how to manage people, like all of those skills that I learned in management. I mean, that's how I run the business. That's I'm just as much owner as mm. I am chef. And well, I think that's where it comes from. What were the biggest people management skills you learned during that time that are rolling over to what you do today? I think just being able to understand how people work, to not take things so personally, to understand how to talk to people. If you feel like something is off, sitting down and having a conversation, setting clear expectations with follow-up. Um, 
which is really accountability saying, Hey, I want you to improve on this. I'm going to check in on a week to see how that's going and being able to really set the tone for what the expectations are. If anything in management that I've learned that is the most important, it is setting clear expectations with people and following up on their performance from those. Um, it's not a quick little, Hey, can you do this? If you want something done, you have to make it anything that you give people for information of what you need from them, they should be able to repeat it back to you exactly as you want it done. Um, and that's how you know you've communicated clearly and that everybody is on the same page. Yeah. And I, I love the way you started that. Like when you notice something's off about somebody that's, you know, emotional intelligence, social intelligence, don't wait for it to like manifest even more, you know, right. like yeah. get it, uh, get ahead of it. Be willing to say, Hey, are you good? What's going on? Do you want to talk? Then listen, right? And right. like, and just opening up that door, creating that culture of like, hey, this is safe space. You can talk to me, right? Is that kind of, am I stretching that? Or is that a little bit too much of a reach? For no, you? no, no. In some capa- no, in some capacities, yes. I think if someone's having an off day, like you can just tell me you're having an off day and you just want to work. And then it's like, cool, maybe we... You know, we just adjust like we put you on your station and, you know, Expo tells you what to do on your station and we don't and that's it. We just you get the job done because you're off today and that's and that's fine. But it's better than reading. I think a younger version of myself reads into the way that people feel and wonders if I'm doing a good job and I gauge my own performance based on how likable I am or how people are feeling around me. And none of that matters. People are living their own lives, doing their own thing. Get to the job. If something's getting in the way of the job, figure out what that is and just work around it. You know, that's so true. Like we get so caught up in our, our mind about what other people are going to think of us if we do something, but you're 100% right. And I hate to sound like coarse here, but like nobody gives a fuck about you and what's going on because they're too concerned about them and what they're thinking about you and what I'm doing, right? Like the reverse. So like, don't let that stop you from doing something, you know? And if right. they, they do give a fuck, they'll say something. <laughs> like, you'll know, you'll be able to read their body language and then you right. open the door for communication, right? But, um, and also just the, that, that setting that clear expectation is so huge. So your, important. Your job as a restaurateur is to paint the picture of perfection, to give your team an aiming point. This is the job done right. This is, there's no questions. Right. This is when you're done, right? Yes. And then, follow up why is that so important because it's the only way to hold people accountable and if you it doesn't matter how good of a point you make on what someone should be doing or shouldn't be doing if there's no follow-up to it it doesn't matter if they did it well or not it doesn't matter if they heard you clearly or not none of it matters because there's no benchmark right you know so follow-up just creates that benchmark and the thing is it's not just about you know the restaurant running the right way people want for the most part you know your 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 good employees your your passionate employees they want the accolades, they want the recognition of a job well done. Um, people don't want to gauge, you know, like, like I said, the benchmark against their own performance. They want you to tell them how they're doing. You know, they're not going to feel confident in their position when, you know, they're giving themselves a good job or they think that they did it the right way. You have to make sure that you're in there correcting them so that when they do do it the right way, they get that feeling of, you know, pride and accomplishment from it. Even if someone messes something up in that moment where you're corrective with someone, it doesn't feel good. But I'm telling you that moment where they do it the right way and they get the praise and the accolades for doing it the right way, that moment feels way better than how bad the other moment felt. Right. And so it's like that follow-up is what opens you up to get people that are bought in and passionate and can kind of execute the way that you want to and feel good about it in the process. Yeah. Are you familiar with EOS or Traction, by the book Traction in the Entrepreneurial Operating System? No. That's why I love... Wait, like, EOS. What? Yeah. 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 Yes, know, I am. We use that in... Um, never mind. We use that in one of my companies. We use the whole, the whole format. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So... I so you're familiar with like a level ten meeting? Oh my gosh, my yes. Wait, can I tell you something? I had this. 
we can drop names in this, right? Uh, I mean, hey, that's on your. But. Yeah, we. I had a mentor <laughs> named Jackie Lewis. She's yeah. she's incredible. Unfortunately, she she passed away of a very rare form oh, of cancer um, last March. But um, she integrated this process into my last company, Oddly Travel. I'm sure they still use it to this day. She was the she was the most amazing woman I've ever met in my entire life. Um, she really was. But she. Just the fact that you've managed a way to come into this podcast is, is meaningful to me in this moment. But yeah, she's the one that I, I learned that process through. So we did level 10 meetings at my yeah. last job. So I'm I not do, crazy. I follow all of that. <laughs> I still integrate EOS yes. um, with what, what we do at Pianta but today. The, one of the reasons why I love that program, EOS, is the, it's, it, because so many restaurants don't have a, a process for communicating. Yep. And in that, the EOS process for communicating the annual meeting, the quarterly meeting, yep. and the weekly meetings, what you're talking about is baked in. So you're forced every day to come back to the big goal, goal like the, the company goals, your personal goals for you and your, your vertical of the business, maybe your marketing or whatever. Like what are, what's our one-year goal? What do we have to do? quarter over quarter to meet that one year goal and what are you doing this week to get to your quarterly goal right what they call yep. them rocks yeah so i was just gonna say you're talking about rocks aren't you yeah, yeah. And, and the cool thing is it just it just bakes this stuff in so like every day you are setting your you know your you know your goals your, your annual goal and you're setting rocks and mini goals and following up yep and it's huge because it forces people to communicate yes and it's this is why like i, I i'm so all about eos right now and i like I'm kind of like selfishly like trying to like let people know like we're we're in the process of trying to to work with the, with the the folks over at EOS to teach this stuff because I believe in it so much. I believe in it too I really do and I think that there's so many even casual conversations with the team and stuff they need structure everything needs structure because you'll have that one even if you have that one you know miserable employee there's always going to be one in the bunch if you don't have structure to a meeting with your team they'll run the whole meeting like yeah. they'll they'll bring the energy into the whole thing like when you go through your like L10 meetings like you have a structure this is your introduction this is how you like lighten everything up because you share your little bit of good news at the beginning and then you go through every little piece you time every piece um you what you you part of this process that we're talking about involves um picking out the points that are kind of like the heaviest to talk about so that all of the hot air yeah issues all (laughs) all the hot air of of little complaints that might only be relevant to that one person as opposed to the business as a whole that stuff gets sifted out because you're working through the things that are the most important to everyone yeah but it gives you so much structure and it keeps you in control of your meeting you know how they always say you manage your people or your people manage you yes um this program and structure gives you a lot of opportunity to ensure that you are always managing your people and not the other way around. Yeah. Don't take our word for it. Go check out the book Traction. Uh, and if you guys are interested in learning more, do reach out to me because I'm in the process of trying to create a community of restaurant owners who are trying to implement this stuff. So we have the, the support of the group. And the plan is is to get our own integrator. Is it integrator or implementer? I- integrator. <laughs> I always get these two backwards. I it? can't help you either. Uh, so. I think it, there's integrator and implementer. One is the rocket fuel for like the person that goes in and like yeah. is good in the dirt. And, and I think it's an implementer, somebody who comes in who's certified in EOS to basically, you know, oh, that help you sense. execute it. Cause it, it, it takes, if you don't know what you're doing, you, you don't want to do it wrong. So like yeah. you, I'm, we're going to be working with an, an integrator. Implementer. Is it an implementer? That's what you said a second ago. Why do they have to make it so similar? Or, I don't know. 
I love everything about EOS, <laughs> but this. <laughs> I can never get it through. So we're going to be working with somebody to help us implement. We're going to kind of try to crowdsource uh, help. So um, cool. that's the plan. Um, and uh, I just want to get it out there because I'm super excited about it. But back to your story. So you yeah, learn yeah. about the significance of setting clear expectations, following up. And yep. that was trained into you at your, your old job. Any other lesson skills? I'm, I'm assuming working in banks was probably helpful. That's oh, a- yeah. I mean, the life skills that... Um, I learned working at the bank is incredible. Just learning about all of the options on what financing looks like, knowing when the banks are making more off of you than you think, you know, you think you're getting a great, whatever the lending situation is, but what it, what it really is on the other side. I mean, that definitely just gave me, I don't know that I could put specifics to it, but just a foundation of understanding how this stuff works and where you can go to find money. Um, you know, in, in later years too. Well, we'll get into that. I, I, I've, we've gotten, I've gotten some information from in real estate, and and I've belonged to some real estate kind of groups, um, and I've learned a lot there too on how to actually, you know, finance when it comes to big money and things like that. But um, yeah, my experience working in in management for so long, I'd say the people skills and just running a business, managing a P and L. That's the biggest thing. Understanding what margin means, understanding how moving a needle very very slightly in three different categories can result in a completely different profit than what you would have done if you were not moving the needle ever so slightly in those three little categories and, and how important every dollar is. All of that stuff definitely contributes to what I do here. And I'd say the sales perspective, like we have some, you know, upselling here and, you know, the food is amazing and, and it's vegan. And so there's people that haven't eaten this type of quality of food in years because um, they're, you know, dietary restrictions. And so, upselling isn't forcing people to get things they don't want. It's like, hey, you drove an hour and a half here from yeah. Connecticut. Like, get the dessert, man. Like, right. when are you coming back? You know, or and- like, hey, if you get, I don't know, I was going to say upsell to like a protein, but you don't do that here. But like, there's probably something else you can add to a plate. 100%. Like yeah. tofu or something. Right. Like and it's a, like, take it home. Like, and it's, it's going to be so much better if you get it with this. 100%. You know? And being able to like know how to sell, even like having like my, my, my team here, they'll upsell. Um, they ask for Google reviews. If someone says this food was absolutely amazing. We say the best thank you that you could give us as a small business is to leave us a review on Google. Um, and so we have over 500 4.9 star reviews, which is like we're at, we're technically we're the highest rated restaurant on Google in the entire city. That's awesome. Yeah, it's wild. But we just ask our customers and we don't, we don't, can I swear on this at all? I've already done it. I all think. right, word. we don't bullshit <laughs> anything. We just tell people straight up if you want to, like we are a small business and yeah. you know, if you loved your food as much as you're raving about it right now at the end of your meal, this is how to say thank you to us. You so know, what's that look like? Is it just like, hey, like, do you do you help create a path of least resistance to get them to that place? Like, is there a QR code, or do you just like, hey, go to Google and? Is it that simple? Yeah, we just say go to Google. I mean, we've done other stuff in the past, um, but the word of mouth really seems to be what. Uh, does it the most right at the end of their meal. Um, now when we're in contests and competitions where there's like voting, like right now, for example, we're in something called the vegan chef challenge. It's a month long competition through July. Um, it's those awards that are over there, over the bar. Um, that's what we, we clean swept last year. (laughs) I know we need to find a place for them because they're getting a bunch, which is, I mean, I, the fact that we need an awards wall is pretty wild. (laughs) Honestly, two years in, I know it's crazy. Thank you. Uh, I definitely picked up on the the early success you're having. That's why I'm here. You know, I wanted to share it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so one other thing I, I picked up about you before we start really diving into how you started. Sure. Like building out your restaurant. Yeah. Um, you seem like a very fiscally responsible person, generally speaking. 25 years old, own your first house. Like, what advice do you... Because like, we talked a lot about just, like, getting lean, right? I don't know if that was off-air or during the actual conversation. I think it was off-air. I don't remember. Get, I think... Um, well, 
I know. We Regardless chat, of we where or what, yeah, we always <laughs> chat before we hit record. Um, you, you, you bought your first house when you were 25 years old. You, you, you obviously knew the importance of saving money. Do you have cash flow money management like lessons you can teach our listeners for like building up to get to the point where you can go open a restaurant? Honestly, it's always been really hard. I, I just, I feel like if, to be completely honest, because I came from such humble beginnings and from so little, this, I see potential in the smallest amount of money that other people wouldn't see potential in. Like when I got that check for my house, I was like, this is your time. You have to do something for with it. Like when I have the opportunity. When did you sell your house? 2019? Yeah, it must have been. Don't it, you wish you waited two years? <laughs> no, I got it right when it bumped. I did. Oh, I did. I got it. Well, it's funny because I was trying to sell it. I was thinking about selling it a little bit before and I got 60,000 more than what my highest potential was wow. for selling it just three months prior That's to. Crazy. Yeah. So like um, it, it, it was good. It was good. I was part of that. In the initial wave, if I waited longer, I probably could have got another 30, 40 K. Yeah. But um, I mean, this all happened with I it. mean, were you putting a percentage of your profit away or your, your income? Like when you got a check, were you just putting it in the bank or were you like saying, I'm going to put this much in savings? I'm going to put this. Like much throughout in. my whole, yeah. just to, yeah. I mean, I was always trying to save, um, make ends meet and then save a little bit. And I knew that I wanted to purchase a home. So for me, purchasing the home started with, was um, in Rhode Island. That was in, that was south of Boston. Okay. So I moved from Boston to, I moved to Providence to open Pianta. Oh, really? Yeah. So we uprooted everything. But um, while I was working, um, I knew that at the end of my lease of my current apartment, my landlord was doing roof repairs, so there was no opportunity to renew. And so I gave myself like, all right, you have nine months to save for a house. Because um, I knew that the the position that I was in, working for the bank and all of that stuff, I was like, this is this is a good time for me to, to make this this move. So that's when I really started like kind of like hunkering down to save for the house. But financial responsibility throughout the course of everything, I think I just recognize how much what you can do with what you have mm-hmm. after having so little for so long. What do you, yeah. Dive into what you mean by what you can do with what you have. What do you mean by that? Um, I just, I never grew up with like having a lot of money. So to me, like getting a check for what I got from my house, you know, it was, it was like 94 K I said a hundred earlier. The real total number was 94. So, so you, you didn't own the house outright. You used what you got from selling the house to pay off the loan and you had, an and then I had home. some, yeah. Cause I only lived there for about three years. Um, So, but when that happened to me, like that was a wild opportunity to me that didn't feel in any capacity like, um, oh, go buy the new car, go spend it on this. I felt like this is your chance, Michelle. Like you came from, you've never had anything like this before. And I've I've just never had anything even close to that before besides, you know, making it and, and growing and spending it, you know, on making ends meet. So when I got that, that was like a glaring opportunity for me of like, you have to do something with your life. Like this is your chance. This might be your only chance is how I felt at the time. Um, you have to make it work. You have the means, like you know how to work, you know how to manage finances. You have your experience from the bank. Like you have a, and at this point with the conversation with my uncle, you have a goal and you have a dream. Um, and I know that I was exceptional at cooking. Like uh, my food was, I mean, way before I had the restaurant, like everyone knew, like I do all the friends givings. I do this and that, like every single one of my friends has eaten food that I've made a dozen times at least. Like it's just always been my thing. So I know I'm good at it. And I'm like, you have all the tools. Damn. We're you inspired know? right now. So I'm like, just <laughs> do it girl. I like think this is a good point to take our first break to thank our sponsors after that tear. And we'll be right back to talk about how you did it. 
This episode is brought to you by Pop Menu. There are a lot of elements to consider when growing your restaurant. Are you connecting with your diners enough and with the right message? Or could your kitchen put out more orders than your dining area has room for? It can be a lot and very overwhelming when you got into this business for the food and the people. And that's why restaurants get Pop Menu. Pop Menu is the restaurant technology designed to make growing your restaurant easy. With Pop Menu, you can attract more guests to your website that's designed to easily collect their contact info and data so you can see what your guests love and why they dine with you. With Pop Menu, you can also stay top of mind and build authentic relationships with guests by using modern technology that drives new and repeat business. And also, Pop Menu lets you make all your systems work better together, improve margins, and conquer the chaos of restaurants' digital presence. Pop Menu, technology for restaurants ready to grow. If you are a Restaurant Unstoppable listener, you can get $100 off your first month, plus lock in one unchanging monthly rate at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Go now to get $100 off your first month at popmenu.com slash unstoppable. Restaurant Unstoppable is partnering with CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees. CORE, Children of Restaurant Employees, invites you to learn more about their mission and their fall campaign, Serving Up Hope. CORE is an industry-focused nonprofit that provides financial grants to restaurant employees with children who face a life-altering medical crisis or natural disaster. Serving Up Hope is a national fundraising campaign and an opportunity for the restaurant industry to come together to serve those who will serve us daily. There is complete flexibility for when and how you raise money and CORE has ideas to help. Whether you choose to make a flat donation or fundraise through in-store promotions, CORE provides turnkey resources to make your partnership as simple and successful as possible. It does not stop there. Brands who commit to raising $15,000 or more for CORE during this campaign receive logo recognition on the Wall of Hope, a nationally promoted landing page that highlights the companies that have chosen to come together for our industry. Choose to participate and you will help build a culture of caring and demonstrate your support support for employees and those that qualify for a grant across the country. More than 70% of core grantees are single mothers and they critically need your help to continue to provide funds. So why wait? Showcase your commitment and leadership to help employees in our industry and sign up for the Serving Up Hope campaign today. Visit coregives.org to learn more. Together, we can serve up hope for restaurant families this fall. We're back and You've inspired us. You're killing it right now. <laughs> I, I love it. And now I want to really talk about the how, you know, how you made it happen. So take us back to this point where your uncle pulls you aside and says, you're stupid. Or was that what you said? You're <laughs> being an idiot? I He's Italian. So I, honestly, yeah, you're being an idiot, Michelle. <laughs> yeah. Now or never. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I just felt really nervous so about what, it. When, was it 2019 he said this? 2018? 2020. 2020? Yeah. But when did you sell your house? Actually, yeah, 2020. So let me let me think for a second. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, because I was so was yeah laid off in March. Sold the house by September. Damn. Started Pianta, Pianta One. We call it P One. The the first like cloud kitchen location. Started that and opened the doors on April 1st, 2021. That's April 1st. So, um, so from March to so almost a year. It's 
about a year from, from getting laid off to opening Pianta. To, yeah. Yeah. So when did this conversation with your uncle happen? Fairly certain. Cause I jumped April right into another job. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right after I was laid off. What yeah. was the other job you jumped into? It was like a, it was like a marketing sales job. It was, it was commission based sales. So you weren't there long. Oh no. Like a week and a half. Okay. Yeah. So your uncle convinces you you're an idiot. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. Yes. Um, you, how long were you, you weren't at this job for long. You sold your house in September, you said? Yeah. So what were you living off of during that period from like April to September? Did you have money put aside? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and the, and we yeah, out from that interim, I had money put aside. Yeah. Got it. Enough to get by in that time. It's a, enough time to, to sell a house. Yeah. 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 And I had severance from my, from my, um, last job. The one that, the uh, travel company. Yeah. Not pa- the, you were working for a week and they gave you severance. Yeah. No, no. From the travel company. They paid me severance it, when they let it. me go. Yeah. Um, so when, when you, he helps push you off the edge of the cliff, right? Yeah. To take the leap. Yeah. Um, what was the first thing you did? So, uh, I mean, I mean, really, if not action wise, the first thing I did was completely lose my sense of self and be really confused. It was incredibly emotional for me because I felt such a deep inclination to doing what he, to what he said. I knew that it was the right thing to do was to change and do something else, but it was incredibly daunting and intimidating. But I did feel this kind of like inner calling, not like in a spiritual way, just in a way that I just knew this was, I knew I was supposed to do this in some capacity, but it was very, very scary. Cause it's like, where do you start? What do you do? Um, and wrestling with that kind of idea that it was even capable for me or something I could do in the first place was really challenging for me. So how'd you overcome that? I started, so I actually, um, not knowing what I wanted to do with my own business. I said, you know what, in this meantime, I'm not going to do this job. Let me go see what is out there for me while I make this decision. So I actually, I was at a, um, I was at a bar or like a restaurant and some guy overheard me in my now fiance's conversation about, um, me potentially opening a food truck and he had a food truck and he started talking to us about his experiences. And then the owner of that restaurant came over and we ended up taking shots and having this whole thing. Don't you love people in the restaurant? Yeah. And it was like wild. And so he was like, what's your story? What do you do? And this guy was like, Hey, do you want to manage social media for my five restaurants and help with like catering menus and stuff? He just like got the right energy from me. And I was like, yeah, we could do that. And I did that very temporarily. I just kind of like helped them out. Their social media was a mess. Like it just wasn't streamlined and it didn't look good but they had good product and I was like you're missing the mark here on something um so I kind of got a little bit involved with very few things just to help them out with social media and just be involved in marketing of a restaurant for the first time that was only for like about a month but it showed me how quickly and easily my personality my means the things that I had got me in the door somewhere like I just met these people and now I'm managing social media for five locations and creating menus for like I have something here and so while I'm doing that just to make short money in the meantime or so they were paying you for this yeah 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 yeah. it was a it was something that came up because again I was talking about maybe opening a food truck because the gears are turning I'm curious when they said this were they like were they encouraging you of opening a food truck or did they have advice for you like what was going on in that moment yeah he had advice he jumped in he was there by himself um, he had advice talking about like you know kind of like what we were talking about before the pod um, doing one thing and doing it really really well like that's how you are successful unstoppable I don't think he probably <laughs> listens to anyone but his own voice, if I'm going to be honest. But, but he's right. I, yeah. I totally believe in that. Knowing your, yeah. your, your lane, staying in it, and just doing it better than anyone else. But sorry to interrupt. Yeah, no. He just gave that advice and like um, on how to make it work. And I think just the way that I was receptive and the just the vibe of everything, the person that owned the restaurant who was his buddy just saw like, hey, maybe she could be good for these things that we need right now. And it just kind of worked out for yeah. a very short period of time. 
But what, what period of time? Like a couple months? Yeah, like a month and a half. Like it was nothing. It was like a quick turnaround of me helping them out with some stuff. But I'd say for me, what it did was it put me in a position to recognize like I can get in uh, into this industry. Like this is all reasonable for me. That was just kind of like a like a night with shots turned into a little bit of like, hey, let's help each other out. We both have a need that we can meet with one another. Um, but it let me know that like I can people recognize that I'm good at this because I don't have confidence in this yet. I've been doing a completely other industry my whole life. As a woman, it's hard to be confident at all. Like it really is. Um, so especially in this industry, this is a very male dominated industry. So I'm not feeling like I have the juice that I now believe that I have to do these things. That kind of gave me a little bit of a push. And I was like, you know what? Like I can do that. I'm going to do my own thing. I can, I can do this. So I started making food truck menus or just kind of like limited menus of things that I wanted to be selling. And then I started doing all of the research on what I wanted to, how I wanted to sell it. I came across, you know, obviously food truck options, um, commissary kitchens, things like that. There's a place called Hope in Maine that's in Rhode Island um, that, you know, a lot of bakers and stuff work out of that. And then also this concept of the ghost kitchen, which is kind of like a... um, dorm style kitchens with one pickup window for like DoorDash, Grubhub, all of that stuff. And I started doing my research on all of the different options. Food truck work seemed like a lot of permitting and it, like I was getting in over my head or, or just, it felt like a lot of pieces that I wasn't familiar with. Um, commissaries are very, very expensive and you have to share space. And I, I wanted to do vegan food. And so I didn't want to, um, have to share space. And, and I I am curious why vegan food. So like before you had this conversation, were you dead set on vegan? Was that the goal? Vegetarian, vegan? Yeah. So, um, I started veganizing my family recipes because my family just has had a lot of kind of health tragedies over the years and and Uh, yeah yeah, like it's like you're happy you eat you're sad you eat you celebrate you eat everything's food 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 meat and cheese high cholesterol and like I lost an uncle to um diabetes I've lost um and and they smoke a lot of cigarettes I lost an, an uncle and a grandmother to lung cancer like there's just a lot of health stuff that my family just like could be doing a little bit better with and um I started veganizing like family recipes um and I am plant-based myself and so it all just kind of clicked for me how good I was at doing yeah. this and how much I love it I'm so. guessing you're third generation fourth yeah generation, yeah third. I'm, ge- yeah. I'm third generation yeah. too so like you're your grandparents likely had parents that came from Italy. Yes, right? exactly right. So yep. I, I don't think a lot of people realize, like you know, Italians, Irish, uh, like where if if you're an Italian Irish person, and, or like a lot of those people came over only like about 120 years ago. You know, like mm-hmm. they didn't have a lot. You know, like they 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 had to make do with what they had. Yeah, and I think as a result of that, like there's a lot of um, bad habits within Italian culture because the, yeah, it's cheap food you know like how can we fill bellies lots of pasta you know lots, lots of, of cheese lots, lots of cheese of, yeah yeah know? so anyway i just i relate no, i relate to your story it's so I, true it's a, i feel like you know, the same issues in my family you know yeah and it's hard to watch and it's like there's so i love the food culture don't get me wrong i feel like that's half of the inspiration of why i've become what i you know i, I grew up in the kitchen with my aunt like i love i love food but i definitely saw the toll that it had but so that's where the whole vegan beginning came from. Um, so I did go into this always wanting to do so vegan. So did you make the shift in your life? Mm, a year before that. So pretty recently before so that. So like, 20s? Yeah. Like so, so like four years altogether. Got yeah. it. Got it. Yeah. So you have, you're emotionally connected to this, right? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, absolutely. 
So that makes good sense as to why you'd want to lean into it. So you choose uh, to veganize and vegetarianize all of your, your family recipes. Yeah. Um, and I see that mark for, there's a market for it. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to no, cut you off. Um, there's a market for it, too. Like, obviously, I'm looking at this from a business perspective, and I'm seeing, like, what the opportunities are that are out there. And I want something innovative. And the thing about being vegan so recently for me is that my standard of what food tastes like, and sorry if I offend anyone about this, but 10 out of 10 vegan food is often a 7 out of 10 regular food. And because I am just coming off of... (laughs) Who doesn't like, you know, I'm saying. And so it's like having my standard be as high as it is, my vegan food was 10 out of 10 period. And I didn't see that so much everywhere that I went. Even if you found a place that did something really well, I didn't feel like everything was incredible. And so I was like, I have this niche where I'm newly vegan. My food quality of what I make that's vegan. My standards of flavor. My standards (laughs) of flavor are where they need to be. And I mean that to this, that, that feedback is echoed in our menu to this day. People say, you know, we always joke that we love the customers that it's like the, the, you know, college student in the family is vegan and they drag the rest of the family here. There's like, Oh my God, can we just go to Outback or like anywhere (laughs) else besides this place? Um, and then they leave and they're like, Oh my God, that was amazing. Like I could have never believed that. It that can be, be delicious. Vegetables are delicious. It's so good. And we have like, we have right now, we have like a fish fry on the platter, which has like clam strips, crab cakes, and fried haddock, coleslaw, fried. Like that's on our menu right now. It's one of our, it's our best seller right now. Is there a, a vegetarian version of that? Or is yeah, really- I make magic. Like that's it's, you, you, you would never, you literally would never know when you see the Instagram, like you would never believe this stuff is, is vegan, but it is. It's like we're we're blowing minds out here. It's like crazy cool. what we're doing. Okay, I, I love where where this is going, but I want to bring it back to yeah. food truck. So I'll do my best to distract. So you decided you. not food truck. <laughs> yes, right. And and there was the this appeal to uh, the cloud that goes kitchen. Um, what was it about the food truck that was it the permitting all the 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 hoops you had to jump through the what else was it because and this is something that I'm kind of I really want to get the word I think everyone thinks that the the way to go is a food truck to get started and I just don't agree with that yeah it was I mean it's one, an option but it's not I don't think it's the best option I agree I for me at that time I agree I think that there's a lot of novelty to it too I think people have the concept and they're excited about it. But at the end of the day, it's a very, very small workspace. You are definitely limiting your menu and what you can create and put out there. Um, you still need a commissary kitchen to work out of you. Yeah. There's, it's so small and, and you know, you're going to spend, you know, 70 grand to get it where you want it to be in the first place. And for me, again, that's going to leave me with this very small, um, you know, remaining funds when it comes to the initial capital investment into the business. Um, but also, yeah, permitting and figure out where to go. It's a hot market. Everybody, you know, all the festivals, like they book for years in advance and this is coming off of COVID and stuff like that. Well, this is actually in COVID. So the festivals aren't even happening. Like all of this stuff isn't going on. And I was just like, where am I going to even put this thing now on top of that? I knew I was coming to Rhode Island to do this. Yeah, I why Rhode Island? I was curious about that. Um, the rent is just so much cheaper for everything. And then the market was great. Um, the community response when I would post on Reddit and post there, post you know everything, gauging the internet. Um, I just had a really good experience with what I was getting yeah. from Providence. It just felt right I for so many reasons. I think the swinging away from big cities. Yeah. I think we're moving in this direction where like all the opportunity was in cities. You had to go to cities to find opportunity. And with the advent of the internet and people working remotely, I think there's this mass exodus right now of cities. Also, I we agree. see how unhealthy cities are. Like, hey, yeah. where's a yeah. where's the worst place to be when there's a pandemic? Living on top of each other. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, right. Right. It's just not natural. I just don't think we were ever meant to live like that. Like the idea of a city is like a relatively new invention in the scope of humanity. That's so, such an interesting point. Yeah. You know? I, I, yeah, I, re- I agree with that. So, I really do. And we're happier when we spread out, you know? So I yeah. think that there's these, these, uh, like, you know, like, C tier and B tier, mostly the C tier cities, you know, like yep. your, your problem. I don't know. I think province is kind of like a B. It's not like an A. It's not a Chicago or a New York or a Boston or a yeah. Boston. Um, I would say Boston's probably a B tier. New York, Chicago, Los Angeles are probably A tier. Yeah. I'd say this is C. I feel yeah, C. Like your Manchester, New Hampshire's, your, your Chattanooga's. I don't know if that's, yeah, even yeah. Is, but you know, like these, these, pla- these places where there's bones. Lewiston, Maine is another example. Have you ever been to Lewiston, Maine? No, I haven't. It's just this old mill town. It's the second largest city in Maine behind Portland, and you never heard of it. Yeah. You know, but it's this old mill town with bones, empty bones. Mm-hmm. Bates University, I think, is there, like a uh, really well-known, prestigious school. Like there's all these places all over the country where there's this opportunity begging, come back to us. So you have like, the, the, the turn of the 21st century, yeah, uh, the turn of the 20th century, where you had all these mill towns and people vacated all these cities that they built up because there was no opportunity there. Yep. But now there's there's just bones, vacant spaces all over the country waiting to be filled. Sorry for my tear, but like I think there's so much opportunity. I think you're a shining example of that. Get out of the big city. Oh yeah, I have so many. Even like the the travel job I had was in the um, was in the north end of Boston, the one that I had that I got laid off from, and I've seen so many um, coworkers. Yeah. I mean, there's 300, so there's a lot of people that work there. But I've seen a lot of them in the restaurant because they're like, oh, I moved to Rhode Island. I moved to Providence. So many people dispersed from Boston. Yeah, but the, a lot of people came from New York, yeah, Boston, lots Chicago, of places, for these sure. big cities. And they're like, they're going to these small cities and they're like, I miss the food. Yeah. So there's a huge yes. demand for like the culture has moved out of the city. Yep. So now there's op- opportunity yep. for people just begging you know, like go to the small places. Like there's so much opportunity there. Sorry yeah. for, I digress. No, Back I mean, to your story. well, the red tape also, I mean, and this is my experience. I've had, not that red tape is ever easy, but I've government wise, I've had a easier experience in, um, Rhode Island with the business than any experience I've had with any type of government relation in Boston. Like I've, I've called departments, um, like the department of health, whatever you need here, you'll get the same person on the phone. Yeah. You know, I've never. You mean you develop a relationship with you, people? I literally, I Weird have their phone works. numbers in my, like I have them in my phone. Like I have yeah. people from the Department of Health from like liquor licensing because like the communication between liquor licensing and all the other things you need for it, like their communication's not that great. And so I have like their numbers for contact, but that's, that energy is something I would like literally never have in Boston, you know? And the rent is so, so, so high in Boston. Like it has to. I just felt like I had to have such a bigger financial backing to try to do this endeavor in that city versus the city. And I, and I loved it here. I loved, I don't know. I I don't really know how to explain it, but the energy that I was receiving from feedback online, um, there's two particular, there's vegan Massachusetts and Rhode Island vegan awareness, um, Facebook groups that I belonged to. And I posted menus and stuff from there. And the response that I just got from Rhode Island, it almost like everything echoed a feeling that I already had inside of me and my fiance, I, he's my boyfriend at the time. Now he's my fiance. Woohoo. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, he's the best. His name's Zach. I love him very much, but, um, way to go, Zach. <laughs> good job, Zach. <laughs> you crushed it. But, uh, he wanted to move down here too. We both just kind of want, we were, we were ready to move to, we both wanted it and it just made so much sense. So, um, yeah, so I, I relocated everything to Providence for Pianta. I love it. So yeah. you decided to go the, the cloud kitchen, um, in researching cloud kitchens, why did you land in this spot? Sure. Um, it 
because it's kind of like a turnkey kitchen. You still buy your equipment, but it's a room that has like it has like the whole hood system. Um, it has your three bay sink and and just your vegetable sink, like all the things that you need to be health department compliant. They uh, facilitate the process of getting you your first inspection, and so there's a lot of just like the red tape and the confusing parts that are that are just overwhelming to a new business owner in a completely new field that they mitigate for you. Um, I still don't know that I would recommend doing that to recommend that to anybody just because of the ultimate experience that I had. They're just very, very money hungry and um, they don't really work with you. They charge you like you use for a store direct. Right. They charge you a ton I think of money. I that's going to change they, the time though because I there's hope more so, and more people coming to that market. It's a great, it's a great concept. Like yeah. I, you know, my ultimate experience just didn't end up, you know, the facility wasn't upkept the way that it should be. Um, but nonetheless, I went into that. I just want to say that because I don't, I didn't want to come off like I was of the ghost kitchen. Yeah. 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 I just didn't want to make it seem like I strongly encourage it because I just, I I encourage everyone to uh, read your Reddit stories and understand other perspectives. If you're thinking about going into a ghost kitchen. So I just wanted to get that little PSA out there. Let's go deeper. So like if you were, if knowing what you know now, yeah. And you're going back in time to 2020, right? And you're like, I'm going to do it the same way I did it, Yep. but I'm going to do it going through with this filter, right? Yep. What advice, what things would you want to see or what people, what would you recommend for people to look for in a partnership with a ghost kitchen facility? Um, I mean, from my own personal experience, um, I would say notice everything. Notice, check in on how other people are feeling. Are they happy there? Like gauge what they're doing. Um, See if you can talk with someone and get some numbers. I actually did that. I called... um, uh, another restaurant owner in the in the building and I spent a day with her before I signed with the um, ghost kitchen to see what it was like what did you what do you spend on food all of that stuff she was really cool she took me in she kind of she's still a friend to this day shout out to Cecilia um, thank you Cecilia <laughs> thank you Cecilia more people need to be like Cecilia she's amazing she really is um, she has the best Nigerian food uh, in what is there I'm trying to think of her I'll, I'll, if I can, I'll, I'll give you the information to plug her yeah, place yeah, at the yeah. end because um, she closed the one here, but she has another one in Boston. But um, but so she took me in. But so get your information from the people that are around you. See if you can have a conversation with someone without the salesperson who's touring you right there, like listening to everything. The truth. Yeah, the truth. Notice the cleanliness. Talk to the people that are at the front passing the food over. Just like really take in the whole experience and don't just go from what that salesperson because I mean, they're a salesperson. They're going to try to get you on every little thing that you can get. Just go in with open eyes. And I think for me, I definitely was very insecure and nervous about, like I said, all of that red tape and getting that inspection and having the health department tell me that I'm doing a good job or like that I'm passed for a service. All that stuff was so daunting and intimidating to me that the fact that they had, they were like mitigating that process for me and like facilitating all of that happening for me. That was such a big buy for me. But looking back, I'm like, you could have done that on your own tenfold. Like you did, that was not, leverage for you to go into this place like this stuff is so easy you just got to get yourself informed you got to do things the right way but I was so nervous at the time that having feeling like I had support was like a massive thing for me yeah so that's why I went that route back to this idea of people vacating cities I think there's also a huge opportunity for there's kitchens all over think about how many office buildings are empty right now that had kitchens literally oh my god I know I know like there's so many opportunities I didn't even to, think outside of the box like yeah, that like, at the time there's so many vacant kitchens right now mm-hmm. and just there's just sitting there waiting for somebody who owns it to use that asset to make money you know how many breweries have kitchens because they right. do pop-ups but they don't but they would much prefer to just have someone in there like all you need for a ghost kitchen is an address for them to pick up the food 100 percent. 
just yep. find a kitchen yeah. and then have the person come in. And yep. if it's a commercial kitchen, it's not going to be that hard as long as it's clean, you know, like right. the things are going to be there and people are looking for ways to make money using their assets. Right. So yeah, good advice there. Um, so you, you get into the spot. Yep. Um, you have your, your, your dorm room is what you call yeah. it. Like yeah. Your section of this ghost. 200 area. square feet. Yeah. Um, what did you have to do to like sell your first online order? Sure. So I, so this is where I think my first really powerful influential move happened. Again, like I said before, I was putting menus out online. I was having friends come over to test food, this and that. I ended up getting a really big following by the time that it was time to launch. Now, actually to go back two months before launch, um, I joined this gym just driving by in the town that I live in. Um, I stopped in and I really liked the people and we were like, okay, we're going to, I'm going to sign up for this gym. Um, I told them about Pianta and what I was in the process of doing. This is during all the inspections, getting the um, equipment loaded into the building, unboxing all of the takeout containers. Like this is still during the build phase. And someone said to me, oh my God, do you do meal prep? I would love to do meal prep, especially plant-based meal prep. And I was like, um, yeah, yeah, I do meal prep. I do, I do, I, I do meal prep, you know, and I just like, <laughs> Starting I, now, I just yes. went with it. And that was, you know, I look back and I'm like, that's always been you, Michelle. Like, but so I, um, I said, yes, I do do meal prep. And then everyone's like, oh, this new girl, she's a chef. She does meal prep. She does meal prep. At this point, I don't even feel confident calling myself a chef because I'm so new into the whole thing. Right. But so I start doing meal prep for all these people and it catches on like crazy. And I'm just doing it out of my house at the time. Um, And I build up this little following of meal prep people. And this included like an expatriates player and like some people that were kind of like influential in the community. The girl that runs the gym, she's like stunning and she has a huge Instagram following and would post the heck out of me. Um, So I gained popularity through that. So now I have my meal prep people. I have all the people that I've been hyping this up online for the past few months, the, the vegan pages. Everyone's like waiting for the day to open. So we, all the stuff that you're hyping up online, what were your assets online? Paint that picture. You had your Instagram, you had yeah. your website, you had what yep. else? So um, Instagram website and then, again, posting the menu to Reddit and to Rhode Island Vegan Awareness and through just everything on Facebook. These are all Facebook pages. Um, and just saying like dropping at this time or opening at this point, I was uh, kind of like narrating play by play. Yeah. And I would show myself going in like we're putting show in the equipment work. today. Yeah. I, I literally like everything that we did, I showed people what we were doing. I showed people the build, you know, taking a picture with all of the boxes. I just like showed my story as my story unraveled. So people got connected to me as a person, people that are still customers to this day that they are like, I can't believe this is what it is. And I'm like, I can't either. And thank you for being along the entire ride because like, it's just crazy. But, um, yeah, I just connected with people and got everyone really excited about what we were going to drop and what we were doing. I had tons of photos because like I said, I would invite my friends over two people at a time. Cause again, this is in the heat of COVID. Um, and I would make them food and I would take pictures. I bought like a light box. Like if you scroll all the way back to Pianta's first pictures, every photo just has a white background. Cause I had this white light box that I would, um, make the food for my friends, get the photo of it and then have them try it. Now, what do those light box costs? Like 20 bucks? Yeah. 20, 30 bucks it's on a, Amazon. It's a simple investment. Yeah, it, it really make is. Your food look awesome. It will. 100%. Yeah. Um, and so I had food, picks I like we, we looked established I had a were menu your, your cell phone or were you yeah using, yep. yeah just using my cell phone um sometimes if the plate had like a scratch on it I would use like a teeth whitening filter <laughs> on the plate to like make it look more professional like put that <laughs> contrast up like just doing everything on my own um but you know it would look established like the Instagram looked good um I brought my now sister-in-law in she was doing a lot of the like social media management stuff too and helping me out with that and building the business her cousin has a PR firm and so she does like um 
some work for them. So she's familiar with QuickBooks and like running. She just, she, I don't know. She's just like a, she's amazing. She just does everything. And she was there with me, helping me build things. Um, when I hired staffing, I hired some, well, we'll get into that. We're talking about the buildup. Um, so yeah, just a lot of marketing online, a lot of pushing out the menu and getting people excited for it. And then just creating these countdowns all the time of this is when we're going to launch up until, um, April 1st. How many followers did you have before you launched? Probably. I don't, I don't know. I I would probably guess 500, 500 or so. That's good. Yeah. Before we launch. Yeah. And, um, what about, um, an email list. Were you collecting emails from people that were, you were talking to? Yes. Yeah, so, well, not collecting emails, but we'd had a su- subscriber function on the website that we would encourage people to go to. Um, but this is also very early days for me and I really didn't know what I was looking for out of people. I think I was just kind of shocked that I had the response that I did already. Yeah. Um, and that all these meal prep people were like, Oh my gosh, my meal prep person's opening a restaurant. Like people took so much ownership of their relationship with me. And that was like incredibly fulfilling. Um, and it just kind of feels cool to have support. This yeah. is a brand new town for me. Like this is a brand new city for me. And to have like people kind of rallying behind me from people that know me personally from the gym, um, A&D Fitness and Johnston, we love them. Um, <laughs> sorry, I don't make any money off of this. You know, I just really love these people. They just did a lot for me. Um, but from people rallying behind the gym, like new friends that like I just met and then like people I don't know at all that are just like excited to watch the story. And I get it because if I saw my story, I'd be excited to support that person too. Like I know my heart, like I know what I put out there. And if I recognize that in someone else, like I'd want to support them too. And like I, yeah. So it just built through word of mouth with a, with a lot of countdown energy. And then we, we launched. So you launched, um, digital assets again. So you talked about the social media side of things. What did you need to invest in? Uh, in terms of like the software and hardware to start taking orders? Sure. So I started with doing just the integrations through the um, delivery platform. So I started on only Uber Eats, Seamless, Grubhub, and DoorDash. Um, And that integrated directly through a tablet that consolidates everything and that lives in in the cloud kitchen. As so time like the cloud we, kitchen controlled all the orders coming in. They do, which is part of the really important if anyone's interested in getting involved in it. Because also when you're at what they call a virtual brand, which is not having a brick and mortar, um, they don't negotiate their fees with you. That is so important for restaurant owners to understand because their fees are, I'm sure you know, are super, super high. Right. Um, you talk about the credit card processing fees. I'm talking about the commission fees they take oh, off the, of your the food. the third parties. The third party it, fees. It, and so we're running only through them because, again, the facility that we're in pitches to you that you can only sell that way. As time went on, I created my own system and I, you know, instead of putting the bag of food on outside and having their runner bring it to the door to hand it off, we'd hand our own food off um, through our own system. They didn't like that at all. But we made way more money doing it that way. So is that part of the business model? So you're paying rent and they're taking – is the, the facility taking a cut? Of yeah, the, they are. And the third party is taking a cut. And the third party is taking a cut. Okay. Yeah. So this is the this is why I like talking about this shit because we exploit motherfuckers like this. Exploited to the – you yeah. couldn't even – and it's and 30% that they take what? for commission. The next wave of entrepreneurs that come out that open wave or uh, ghost kitchens – are going to be like, let's make a ghost kitchen that's better for the the restaurant owner. Hundred percent, you know, because like, it's a brilliant concept. It's it's beautiful. Like you it get really did because you don't know. Yes. It's so new. You have no idea what normal is. Right. You know. So yep. exploited. Hundred <laughs> percent. The amount of money that Maybe I paid we should on say things. That now. We're not going to do that. But just pay, pay attention <laughs> to the fine print. Oh, they make um, you sign your life away to yeah. be able to not. So you 
basically, so what what was the software they were using? Were they using like a toast or like is this, there's like a separate like POS, it's like their like own special so proposed kitchens? The part of what you don't know when you get involved with that is that everything that they pitch to you and everything they own every software that they that you use. So like the integration software on the tablet that they give you, um, they own that software. You mean they coded the software? The Ghost Kitchen coded that software. What do you mean they own it? They own the the, the rights to use that portal. It's a, it's a, it's a software that only exists to them. Okay. So they, they, I imagine that they, you know, source out a third party, but then they buy it in in totality and they use that because you can, the software only exists with them and they make it seem like it just exists out in the world, but it doesn't. It's only their software that integrates all of the different, um, delivery apps. Yeah. And I, and it's for control. And like, even at certain points they would post my stuff and say that it was their menu. They would be like they would put their brand name on my menu. Cause like, as I started to build and get more popular, they would try to take a lot of credit and they tried to force me into some stuff that was like real sus too, when it comes to. So they would, so if I'm a consumer, yeah, I go to ghostkitchen.com. Yep. And they have, here are all of our, uh, restaurants. And then you would choose the restaurant and yep. then you'd find your menu if they chose yep. your, your restaurant. Um, <clears throat> and then from there, that's the only way. And then they're also pushing these, these menu items to the third parties. No. So, so you're, you're active on all of the sites like DoorDash, Grubhub, you're active on there, but where it funnels through, there's never like a portal that I have outside of them. It all funnels through a portal. So, so like every bit of financial information, every, all of that goes through them. And then I can just view the same portal as them versus me having my own, so you couldn't have a piata.com with your own funnel coming in from your own website. Correct. The way that they set the, what they tell you. Yes. Cause then they don't make their commissions on it, but you actually can, because at the end of the day you're just renting space and you can do whatever the heck you want with it's your space. It's a piata too. It's piantas. So. I know. People do it all the time. <laughs> My phone still says piñata. I'm like, how, whose team are you on? Like, <laughs> um, so, okay. I'm, I'm understanding now. So how long were you at this location? For 10 months. 10 months. Yeah. Um, when did you realize, like, what was the, the tipping point for you to get out from underneath this, this ghost kitchen? Oh, I wanted to be out very shortly into it there. You know, the temp control on the fridges would be like, it was just, it was, it wasn't right. Like, I don't want to, I could do a freaking expose on this if I, you know, was ever asked to with NDAs, but, um, but there were just so many things structurally that didn't make sense for it. Um, lots of issues, even like the front desk person would just hand the food off to the wrong driver. And so Mm. we'd have customer complaints all the time. Um, big to small and everything in between issues, issues, issues. And so I was just actively looking for space. Meanwhile, we're super popular. Day one, we opened, we did 2,500 in sales on our first day out wow. of a 200 square foot kitchen. Um, I immediately, I had like a family friend working with me because I thought it would just be me for a while. I had to completely scale and get on payroll within three weeks because That's I was awesome. like, we have a whole, and I, so when we can talk about that in a second, but yeah, I just recognized pretty shortly into it that I just, it wasn't the support that I thought I was completely, I was way more alone in this than I thought all the initial buy-in reasons weren't following through for me. And so I just was like, all right, head on a swivel, keep your eyes peeled for, um, you know, what's next now a lot happened in that 10 months to build the business. We started doing a lot of pop-ups. We, there's a beer garden in town that we started doing pop-ups at. We got our catering commissary license. So we started doing, um, a lot of catering, um, being kosher. We got our kosher certification. Um, so we started doing a lot of bar mitzvahs and things like that. So we really branched out into pop-ups and catering and the response overall, like we knew we had what we needed to continue pushing what the growth looked like and mixed with the how expensive the ghost kitchen was 
the maintenance of the facilities, a lot of what you, we paid for in utilities never happened, like hood cleanings and stuff like that. We'd have to outsource our own, even though it's in part of what we pay for. Just a lot of things weren't going well, but we were still thriving yeah. amidst all of that. We just knew we wanted to thrive somewhere else. What percentage of your sales were from online orders versus, say, the meal prep? At this time, because you're still doing meal prep. No, right? meal prep was only during that interim before we okay, opened up. Okay. Yep. So, do, have you ever done that again, or is it done? Um, we've thought about doing it again here, but it's done right now. Yeah. Got it. So, all of your sales from this point are coming in from third party delivery. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you started doing pop ups. When was your first pop up? I think in uh, it was a Granny Squibs event, which is Granny Squibs Ice Tea. We love Granny Squibs. They were super influential. Oh, so it was. I think it was in June of. 2021 so like two three months after we opened um in this event they asked us to do it i only met the owner of granny squibs because i wanted to carry iced tea in my their iced tea i wanted to carry iced tea in the restaurant i wanted to have one brand of each thing like kombucha iced tea that i really supported and i saw the mission of granny squibs i saw what they were about and i was like i really like them um reached out the woman came to the like um office of the loft that i lived in brought me a bunch of samples we just totally hit it off she was great um and then she said, hey, do you guys cater? And again, just like meal prep, I was like, yes, scurry to get my <laughs> catering license really quickly. And we catered this event and we did a beautiful job and everything was so pretty and, and just like all the food was great. And the event was for the top social media influencers in Rhode Island. So, oh, nice. yeah. So that like really gave us an opportunity to like for people to know us. How much traction did you get from that? Event? A lot. And do you yeah. remember your numbers? Like were you like, it- I don't. I'm so new at it at this yeah. point that I'm just like everything's like a surprise and like exciting and I'm just kind of going with it. So I don't, I don't know, but, um, that kind of put us on the map for catering. And then we started doing events after that. So where were you at? Like what, I mean, I I love pop-ups, you know, if I'm opening a restaurant tomorrow, I'm probably not even going the food, like the ghost kitchen route. I'm just, I'm just doing in-person collaborating, leveraging my network and doing pop-ups all over the place, collabs, you know, and just getting the brand out there and slingshotting off of everybody who has a following in my area. Right. Uh, I love that approach. So what did you learn about how to execute a successful pop-up? What's your advice? Um, I would say definitely it's better when it comes to executing a successful successful pop-up, it's better to sell out than have an overage of inventory because people will crave it for next time. If it's something that's repeatable, meaning that you can come back every Friday or something like that. Um, and just personality, like bringing people in, talking to people, um, you know, that last half hour that you're there going around half price, this and that, and talking to everyone, people will buy tons of stuff just because of the deal at the end of the night. And then you don't go home with extra food that you can't sell. Yeah. Um, but I'd say just bring the personality, like little things, be early, give yourself plenty of time to set up. Are give, you bringing a full menu or are you just doing your greatest hits? Greatest hits. Okay. Always. How yep. many items? Like how many options do you provide? Three. Yeah. And, and, and accommodate three items, small amount of items, accommodate all allergens in your items. That's really, really important. Make sure you bring something that's gluten-free. Um, soy sesame, I don't think it's as important, but make sure you have a gluten-free option Got it. Um, with what you're doing. And yeah, just bring the personality, get people excited to come up to you and talk to them when they're there, you know, make them feel good about what they're, they'll, they'll order more food if they just feel comfortable and they don't feel rushed and all of that stuff, especially if it's new food, if it's some type of ethnicity that they haven't had before, if it's vegan, something that's just different to them. Um, just chat with them what and get them bought selection? in. What's that? What about site selection? Um, I think that that's obviously really important at, th- at this time. We were kind of going anywhere because we were just trying to get out there, but there's t- definitely some relationships that we cut off because we outgrew the location. So at the beginning we kind of took everything 
Um, I would say if it's a smaller location and you don't know and you're, but you're a small business and you want the exposure and the good relationship, but you don't know how much you're going to sell, bring items that you can make them to order. Like for example, we did a grilled cheese pop up and that way we took all of our remaining inventory home, you know, cause it's still, if you're doing it and you're the business owner and you're not paying out this huge labor cost to be there, just show face build relationships with people, get to know them. You'll go to a brewery, you'll have three free beers and sell 20 grilled cheeses. Like big deal. That's, that's, a, that's a fine night. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But like have that kind of like loose energy about your own time. It's different when you're spending labor and someone's being paid $20 an hour to yeah. start to finish, what slap about, everything there. At and, this point, you're trying to be intentional about building a list of uh, like email subscribers, things like that, like building like a, a like your own list of like relationships. Honestly, not really. We would say, you know, make sure you subscribe to our newsletter to see everything that's going on because that's how we're getting all the pop-up information out. We have three newsletters we can send a month. And so we're like encouraging that as part of what we're doing. But you have to understand too, we're like booming on Instagram. So we're like, it's like exploding around us. So if I was doing this, if I was doing a a, a pop-up right now, I would, I would invest in Ovation. And have you heard of Ovation? No. It's a, it's a customer feedback tool. But what you get is is information, one. So if you're doing pop-ups, the whole point of a pop-up is to get your brand out there, but also to get feedback, right? Like you're, you're not, you're likely haven't fine-tuned every one of your recipes at this point in your, your life cycle, right? 100%. You're pop-ups. So you're getting feedback, but you're also capturing customer information, phone numbers and emails yeah. that you can use to keep those people up to date with what's happening now. Hey, did you like our grilled cheese? Well, guess what? Next week we're going to be here and we're doing this and we've changed the recipe to make it better. Right. And then, Hey, guess what? We found our brick and mortar. Our grand opening is this. And now before you even open, you have thousands of emails and phone numbers, direct mail marketing to people, your, your community, your tribe. Yeah. Right. It's start thinking about how do I build a community? Like that, that, that's the goal. I feel like early on with pop-ups, it's just to create awareness. Right. You're not looking to get rich doing pop-ups. Right. You know, like that's not the goal. It's just, that's show face. Like you say. Yep. So any thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, I think that it's a great, it's a great opportunity to be able, oh, my delivery's here for, can I let them in? Yeah, absolutely. I'm so sorry. This no, is the middle of the fine. pod. <laughs> we are in a restaurant. Go for it. Yeah. Thank you so much. All right. The peppers are here. The peppers are we here. We have the peppers. <laughs> I have a hot sauce class on Tuesday, so I need some peppers. So, uh, okay, you, you had another thought you wanted to share before we move on from, from this idea of community, building community and pop-ups. What was that? Yeah, um, with the pop-ups too, um, just adjusting. Like if you have uh, recipes or items in your back pocket that you don't necessarily, necessarily sell in your restaurant on a regular basis, you can adjust what you sell at these pop-ups and farmer's markets um, and show people a little bit of what you have going on. Like when we went to farmer's markets, which are earlier, they're usually nine to 12, we would bring breakfast burritos and we would do like loaves of like blueberry bread and stuff like that. Things that are going to, that we don't sell in the restaurant, but it kind of shows like we flex a little bit. Like this is what we're capable of. This just isn't what's going on in our ghost kitchen right now. Um, But we have the means for all this stuff. So it's a great opportunity to show a little bit of a different side of what your restaurant does, especially when you're really small. Um, And it gets people really excited about it. And and you're matching the theme of the event, which also the people that run the event, they notice that too. And they love to have you back because, you know, people, they don't want dinner food. Yeah. Yeah. At 9 a.m. They want breakfast sandwiches. So like make a breakfast sandwich. You're a chef. You can do it. I love that. You know? Yeah. I love it. Uh, Okay. So 
I'm so surprised at how fast time is going with you. I honestly thought only two years in business, this is going to be like a short interview. I'd be out of here probably in an hour and a half if I was lucky. But I still have so much more I want to talk about. I mean, you, uh, I, I love the detail you're giving us. Thank you so much. Oh, of course. Um, so what's next? Take us along this journey. So like, what, like you, at this point in, in your timeline, you still haven't opened the, the brick and mortar, correct? Right. So when did that come into the picture? Sure. So um, we're in the summer of 2021 now. Yep. Right? So um, as fall goes on, we do a lot more catering in the fall. Um, we do VegFest, which we are like the biggest hit at VegFest. Our line is literally snaked around the entire nice. um, festival. And that was an incredibly humbling moment when I realized that the people that were next to me were part of our line. I was like, I almost started crying. I was like, this is incredible. Just get the line. But get through the line, Michelle. You can't, no time for tears right now. <laughs> like, but um, we were so popular and we just kind of kept growing in popularity. We did Thanksgiving. Um, we did like Thanksgiving platters. We had really good success with that. We did um, Christmas platters and we're just kind of building and building. This is all catering. This is all, this is all catering pop-ups. And then obviously the regular restaurant business in the um, ghost Promise kitchen it, yeah. is also doing really well. So the location that we're in used to be a vegan bakery where we are right now. And um, we, I would frequent them because I'd go and I would pick up something before going to work. And they closed down. And so I'm kind of in the market. I'm realizing expansion is a realistic opportunity for us. The demand is there. Um, and so my eyes, like I said, head on a swivel looking for the right opportunity. They closed down. And as soon as they closed down, I was like, oh, my God, like... I have to get into this space. So I reached out to my real estate agent um, and we toured the facility. I knew there were certain things I'm looking for as a bakery. I assumed that they had a hood system, which obviously can be, you know, 20, 40, 60 grand to put in. I assumed that they had a hood system because frying donuts, um, you know, obviously you need that over the fry later. But I was like, I need a hood system. I need a kitchen that's over 300 square feet and I need storage space. And if it has all of those things, I will sign and I will sign immediately. And so I went in knowing those things. It had everything that I needed. Um, this whole entire place was pink beforehand, just so you know. That was a whole sprinkle wall. I don't mind pink. I'm like, I do like the sage green a little better, <laughs> yeah. but um, a little more calming. Bye. Sage, thank you. Is that the same color as my hat? It is the same color as your hat. Sorry. I just wanted to say bye to the delivery guy. Um, but um, so I came in, we toured the facility, and it had everything. And I was like, I was like, Michelle, just be a businesswoman, like be aggressive. You have to be aggressive because other people are going to want the space. And I was like, what do I have to do to sign on the space? And they were like, well, we're showing it to other people. And I was like, listen, who? Because I was like, I have a successful business. It's not brand new. It's already working. We have a huge following. I've never paid my rent a day late. Like what, what more do you want from a tenant than what I'm going to give you right now? And I'm going to make this place popular and I'm going to make this place amazing. Like what could you pot? Why would you possibly want to show it to somebody else when I'm going to give you consistency in what you need right now? And I was like, what do I have to do to sign today? They were like, whoa, we have someone else. And I was like, what do I have to do to <laughs> sign today? And they were like, okay, we'll draw it up. And then they drew it up. And then I ran into the landlord two days later at a bar. We ended up doing shots together. Nice. Yeah, you which love is crazy. Doing the shots with other I don't. It just, I do in the moment because I'm like, what are we going to do? Is look like someone that's, I don't know, like it's, you know, you let the night carry you. But um, I don't know. I don't want to take shots. So I won't make you take a shower. I mean, I would take it. No, I, I, maybe I say that. Maybe I do like it after all. Um, but so, yeah, we, we signed and drew the paperwork up right then and there. Um, and then so we closed down in, I think, mid-February from the, from the ghost kitchen. Um, took two months to build this place. And then we opened up in late April 
of 2022 in this location. Oh, but we did a fun thing. Um, this is just a little side note, but on our first birthday, we had the, I rented um, this big venue uh, in town. And we did, and we catered it ourselves, obviously. And um, we did this huge party for all of our customers. Three months ago, too, or four months ago now, right? Last year. Oh, last year. When we turned one, not when we turned two. Oh, okay. Yeah, one from the initial date. Not from brick and mortar, but from. From yeah, from st- original start, yeah. We we threw this big party, um, and we invited all of our customers. Then we also allowed people to buy tickets, and we like sold out. It was like 150 people. We did this like huge thing, and at that event, I announced the brick and mortar. So like, I gave a little speech. Thank you guys for being here. Like, happy birthday, Pianta. I have some news. Surprise. We're opening yeah. a brick and mortar. And I was like, woo! And it was That's like, awesome. I get goosebumps thinking about it. I was like, I'm going to tear up thinking about it. It was one That's, of the most surreal moments of my life. You just kind of skimmed over it real quick, but I think that's a huge thing that we people miss on the opportunity of, of having events. Like I'm tearing up thinking about I it. it. I <laughs> Ignore it. it. You, you've, you've earned those uh, tears of joy. Um, uh, so, but yeah. But uh, ticketed events, I think that's a great opportunity. Oh, yeah. Because you can pre-sell. So now you you don't need to go guess. Hmm, I wonder how many people are going to show up to this. I'm going to buy all those yes. goods. Oh crap, we didn't sell out. I'm stuck with all this product that's going to go bad. I'm yep. losing money. You can sell out. You know you yes. have 200 spots, right? You know you're going to charge sixty dollars for each one of those tickets. You know that you know what is that? Sixty times 200, 12, 1,200. Is that right? My math is horrible. Yeah. But that's cash. Yeah, it is. You know, it's cash in. So now you know exactly what you have to work with and you can bake in your profit. Yeah. Right. And 12,000. 12,000. That's right. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say that. I just said it because someone is going to listen to this and, and be like, oh my gosh. Eric's doing math again. Look out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but like that's cash that you, it, it's so much. There's so much less risk involved with that. Yes. And there's also means of collecting the revenue. Like there's uh, all these different platforms out there. Eventbrite. Like, you know, like. Yeah, that's what we use. And back to the idea of community. It's like how cool to fill a room with them. Like these people all support Pianta. And like we knew all the customers we wanted to invite from, you know, constantly ordering every week. And um, but yeah, those events and we do a ton of that stuff now, which we can get into in the tail end of, you know, bringing us up to date with where we are today. But yeah, we love events. Yeah. It's a h- amazing way to integrate yourself into the community. So first time brick and mortar. Yep. What t- what's going through your mind? Like what are the challenges? What are the things that you did not anticipate? The the blind side of things. Sure. I mean, just the amount of what your expenses look like monthly, the things that you don't realize that you need to pay for, like um our water system, how we get the the wa- the sparkling and the flat water to come through like that's a you know a couple hundred dollars a month um paying for now we have toast and it's because we have to have a whole restaurant integration system as as whereas before we were using square for our online ordering which is easy if you do small online ordering but once you're in a whole restaurant like this you need something more so the toast subscription the open table subscription the you know the water the um there's just so many compounds salvi and and like you know getting our linens all of that stuff like there's just so much more just to have it run regularly creating an entire front of house system fortunately i had i had an employee that um have she's my gm now but she worked as a part-time cook in the last kitchen just to be a part of it but her experience is in front of house management so when we moved i was able to promote her into a salaried position as my front of the house manager and then a year in promote her to my general manager which she is today um but so just there's so much of the restaurant you don't know how to run i've never ran a front of the house before i've been part of a front of the house um, but just creating all those systems and all of the finances and getting a hold of what all of that looks like. So you had your, your menu prices, right? You knew how to cover your cost of goods and all that, but now 
you have to cover so many expenses and you can't just rely solely on volume. You have to start thinking, okay, well, what, do I need to go up in my prices? Did that, did that happen with you? Yeah, I absolutely went up in my prices. The industry forces you to anyways, because yeah. all of the prices of everything went up. Um, but every business owner undersell, like charges less than they're supposed to when they're first starting. That's super normal to do so. Um, and I just very, my pricing is very fair and I know that. And if someone has a problem with it, like I hate to say it this way, but it's like, then you can't afford it because this is what it costs to make it. Yeah. This is just what it is. There's a sense of entitlement to food. I mean, I feel like people should be oh, entitled yeah. to food. Like this be in, to the most basic needs. Like people shouldn't be hungry. Right? Yes. Yes. But if you want me to put all this time and energy into preparing this amazing dish that takes skill right. and expertise and a team of people in a facility, and if you want service with that, right? Like you got to pay for it. You have to. And I think that we could be better as an industry, kind of explain to the consumer the, the cost of doing business, and like we are so afraid of the consumer. I know. You know. I know. It's like cut the shit. Like, and we have options that this is the thing like food availability and accessibility is so important to me. Well, there's options like you can get a pasta dish for $16 and have that stretch you two meals easily. It's big portions like, you know, the food that costs more is the food that costs more for a reason. But we, we want to be accessible because we don't I don't want it to seem I want to break the stereotype of vegan food being for top tier people, people that are financially bringing in the most. It's it shouldn't be like that. Like everyone should have the same accessibility to the food. But there is a certain point where it's like we have to we just have to charge what it, it costs. There's a cost of goods. There's a cost of labor. And, What's and that the profit goes, you want reverse exactly. engineer that. And that's what and it that's costs. what it comes down to. And it's really what just I need that to make simple. To do this work. Don't be right. afraid to take what you need. You need right. it, you know, and then what does it cost to right. get this? People start with profit, yep. you know, reverse engineer. I think people um, I encourage people to do that. Profit first. Right? Yep. Um, and, and you're so right to say that people have the wrong idea about food, like even when it comes to cost, like when we, um, people will say, Hey, I'm doing a grand opening in town. Would you guys be able to donate this? Would you be able to donate that food wise? And it's like, this is what I sell. Like if you were, you wouldn't go to your favorite boutique and say, Hey, can I have a free shirt? I'm doing a grand opening and I want to look nice. You would assume that you have to pay for that shirt, but people don't assume that with food. They assume that it's just going to be free. We get hit up for donations, food and money all the time. And it's like, I sell the food. I make the food and sell it. Even if the cost of goods is low, someone still prepared that, that I pay a fair wage to, you know? There's there's a little lesson I'm going to squeeze in here. If you do ever make a donation, always in the form of food. Because if you're giving anything, it has to be food and mouth. Because essentially, I mean, you want to support your community, but if you can do it and get your food into their mouths in the same time, like you're also promoting yourself. Right. Um, People can't taste money. Right. And then it's a twofold thing where you're you're at least getting a marketing exposure out of it, you know? But yeah, it... um, yeah, people don't understand what, yeah. what, what it's like to, to be on this side of the making food. I think we could food. go back and forth a little longer on this subject, but I don't want to sound better. Yeah. <laughs> but I do think my mission statement is cha- to change the world yep. uh, through the restaurant industry by transforming the industry. But I think it's our, our responsibility as restaurants to start influencing the consumer. L- less fear and reaction to the consumer and more dig our heels in and, con- yep. and educate the consumer. Absolutely. And like make it normal to be profitable and yep. to not be ashamed of that because right. we need to give our people security and benefits and in right. healthcare. Like we need this. We're not just Scrooge McDuck diving yeah. into coins when we charge. Exactly. Like, we're just trying to make ends meet. We're right. just trying to pay our bills and our we're, people. I yeah. just want security and I'm entitled to that. Yes. You know, that's all we're looking for. Snaps. Yes. yes. Uh, okay. So, you have your brick and mortar. Yep. You, 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 you announced, you almost came to tears telling us, you announced the yeah. big news. Take it yeah. from there. 
So we announced the big news. Um, we're in the process of building during it. So it, it was actually really funny because there's people that were like, I thought I saw you in there, like walking by the street, you know, yeah. before it went up. And obviously we waited to the last minute to put the signage up because we knew people were chomping at the bit. We knew that people had an idea that maybe it was happening. Yeah. Um, but so then we opened the brick and mortar. We talked about all these expenses that were kind of a surprise. Yeah. Right? And even like, you know, the cost of tables, the cost of chairs, the cost of like getting all the electricity put in, making sure that you're outfitted for the right amount of power um, in a safe way. Like there's so many little intricacies like the plumbing, the dishwashers. There's so many pieces that you have to orchestrate together. The fact that we pulled it off in about seven weeks is like, that's amazing. I mean, I me and my fiance built all these chairs ourselves. Like, you, Oh, the, like assembled them. We didn't saying, build them. Oh my gosh, please. But like <laughs> you have a machine back there, <laughs> but I, I like designed the whole place myself. Like I ordered that wallpaper from some man on Etsy and like every, everything in here, we didn't hire an interior designer. We just, I kind of had a vision and I'm really happy with the way that it came out because I think it's beautiful. But well, it's also a lesson to do second generation or like, you know, turnkey operations where you don't have to put the hood in, you don't have to put the fire Absolutely. In, just move in. You know? I don't think I would have been able to handle more than that. Like it's also, it was also, it's also new. How much know? money did you end up spending? Because I, I, I am curious, you were transparent about $94,000 yeah. that you had to, yep. to do this, right? Yep. How much of that did you use up to this point? Um, Up until that point, I made back, I had... I was about 30, 20 in the hole altogether. So I had about 70 and that went into this new place. So you spent 20 to get the, the pop-up going, the pop-ups and the, the, the ghost kitchen going and you still had 70. So I, I spent of that initial investment. I, okay. So from like the 90 that I got, 94 that I got, um, I put about 50 into the business oh, okay, to yeah. start it up in everything and yeah, to do that. And then by the time we opened here, I made that back. We were in the black. Nice. Um, and I had about, and I put about 70,000 into this initial build for this place. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. So I haven't had to take, I haven't had lending out for any of it. Well done. So congrats. I have a little credit card debt, you know, yeah. but who doesn't? <laughs> so, uh, what haven't we talked about that you think I'm just missing on? Like a, a, a unique part of your story, a aha moment, a lesson that you just need people to know any of those things. I mean, honestly, I feel like physically I can be such a workhorse when it comes to getting the job done, but the emotional turmoil has definitely been like the hardest part of the whole journey and just real, like, cause there's moments where like, you'll have, you know, someone calls out when this happens, like we've had literal fires in the back. Like, I think it happens to everyone. You just put it out. It, it, there's a, you're working with fire, but there's things that, that happen and you feel like you're at the depths of like, what am I doing? Is this even the right move for me? Like, can I even handle this? And the next day you'll like get a best of award or something. And the world is like praising you. And you're like, everything you do is so amazing. And you feel like you're completely crumbling. You're like, how am I going to make payroll tomorrow? Like this thing happened yesterday. And just this juxtaposition of like what you feel like as a business owner, as a successful business owner versus what the world sees you as the world sees me right now. Everyone I know from high school, everyone that know, like they know my journey, they know my story. Everyone, when they see me, they can grab me on whatever is happening in my life and it's amazing and it's beautiful and I'm so grateful for it but me as a person all I feel is the struggle and mm-hmm. what needs to happen to be better and what ha- needs to happen to, to to make ends meet and to make everything work out and I think coming to terms with how isolating that can feel at points is one of the hardest parts of the whole journey because the world is saying you're amazing, you're doing so good, and you're feeling like you're falling apart and you have no leadership, you have nobody to tell you to, a good job besides your own benchmarks that you create. You have all of everything comes up to you and you have no peers, you have no management, you have no leadership, you have nothing by yourself. And no one understands the picture the way that you do. 
and just working through what that feels like, especially when you, and even what if I want to talk to my friends about it, they just praise me. Mm. And it's like, but I'm, I'm not there mentally right now. Like I appreciate it, but I, where do you think you need to be to be there? What's the goal? What's the, what are you missing? I need mentorship. I know that. Yeah. I need mentorship. But where do you think you need to get to feel like you have made it? I think I'm constantly, I wish I had an answer for that. Is you know? it a, I th- a level of income, a level of like, what, what is it for you? I don't know yet. Hmm. I really don't. Well, I really don't. If you're listening to this <laughs> and you want to mentor our friend, Michelle here, <laughs> uh, but honestly, no, really thinking, like, listening to <laughs> really? you talk. Like I, I'm thinking of that. This is why I started restaurant unstoppable network yeah. is because there's so it's lonely at the top. Yeah. And you sometimes you don't even necessarily need to get answers. You just need to get it out. Yeah. You just need somebody to hear you and say, I get it. I understand. It's hard. It gets better. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, and just having, just having a release, a punching bag of somebody who's like, yep, I was there. This is what I did. Right. Somebody else being right. like, I had that same thing. And this is what I did. And getting that perspective from multiple different owners from across the country. Like that's, that's why, that's what we, that's what we're trying to do. You know? Yeah. So, you're going to get lifetime access. I give all my, my guests. Cool. Lifetime yeah. You told me about that. That's uh, great. I'm trying to build an amazing community. So I'd love to have you join us. Yeah. Um, anyway, and I would love to join. Yeah. It'd be fun. Um, but I totally know what you're saying. So, um, do you have a support group of people in, in the city? And that's the other thing I, I tell people to do. Like there's people that, I mean, you've experienced it. Yeah. You went into the first restaurants when you told people that you want to open a restaurant and immediately the people that work there and the, the people that are sitting down are like, they, we want to help each other because we only right. we know how hard it is. And I shouldn't say weeks. I don't own a restaurant, but I grew up in a restaurant. I, yeah. And I witnessed firsthand uh, or I should say secondhand because I was watching second perspective. My parents <laughs> going right. through it. So right. I know, right. you know, um, so are you trying to, to reach out to people and create community restaurant tours around you? Yeah, I am. I am. Um, my fiance found this great site that um, I forget what it's called, but it, it, it connects you with mentors. And so I'm working on that. I just find that I, I keep putting it on the bottom of my priority list because there's so many things to constantly get done. And I'm just at the point where I'm like, it, it's a it is a priority. Like it's a, me feeling the way that I me having guidance and, and just being able to talk about the things that happen like it definitely it's something that I deserve and I want you know my I also reached out about two weeks ago to my uncle the same one that that kind of forced me in 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 the first place and um, he owns multiple businesses he has an auto body and um, he has his hands on a lot of stuff he's a really really great business owner does really well for himself and I reached out to him and to ask him to you know be my business mentor Um, and he said that he was honored to and he would love to so I do have that kind of conversation coming up or ongoing monthly conversation coming up Um, but being in the world with a few more restaurateurs would be really helpful too. I have met some people like, uh, there's a rest, a Mexican restaurant called Casa Azul and the owner over there, Alejandra, I I love her and me and her chat every time I pop in for food, which is embarrassingly often. (laughs) Um, she, we talk and, and she's wonderful. And, you know, like I said, Cecilia in the beginning. So I've had these pockets of people that I've been able to talk to. And every time I do, I'm like, everything you're going through is so normal. Like, get off of it. Like it's so normal, yeah. you know, I would um, encourage people to go out and talk to as many other restaurant owners as possible. We get afraid sometimes that people don't mm-hmm. want to divulge that information. You're the competition, but the truth is they're just as lonely as you are. And, yeah. And they have somebody <laughs> yeah. to talk to and odds are like you're a fresh perspective. You know, you're a young business owner who sees the world differently and you might be able to freshen them up a little bit. You know, like you're strong in marketing. 
that might not be their thing. Right. So like try to right. find that win-win situation. Like I'll lift you up over here. Can you lift me up over here? Can you just tell me that I'm not doing anything wrong, please? Like, yeah. Like yeah. Please, I please mean. just say something just nice reassure to me. me. Pat me on that. I know. Tell me it's all Literally. Be okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I mean, yeah, it, it's so true. It is. It's, it's lonely at the top, but um, I've definitely learned to try to keep myself really even killed because the world around me is constantly super high and super low, yeah. you know, r- running a business, you know, being a chef, it, there's a lot of things that are really challenging and really low, but then the highs are also like unbelievable. Like I was just on food network this year for the first time. That's and cool. I, how did that help your business? Um, how it helped my business. I just, I'm not sure. I mean, I know a lot of customers come in and they're like, is it, they're like, is that the chef? I think I saw her on TV. Like, so people saw it and I made a big deal out of it on my, um, like on Instagram and everything. So I don't know if people, I think if anything, it probably helps more with the events. Like we do socials. Like I teamed up with a local influencer recently. We did like a kickoff to summer social. I've done two cooking classes. I think it helps with that stuff. Cause it, you know, obviously the notoriety of me is more impactful when you're someone that's been on the food network. Yeah. Um, so people want to spend time with you more. Like I've had a few people like take a picture with me, which is so bizarre. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I'll take the picture. Like I'm flattered. Um, but so I think it helps in ways that I, I haven't necessarily been able to quantify, but I, the vibes are immaculate. So there's that. So, but it was a cool experience. That's for sure. I should be back on this year too, but that's a secret. So yeah, we won't tell anyone. <laughs> don't only tell the, anyone. Only the thousands. Only of the people, people listening. listening. <laughs> uh, so in in this space right here, you've been here for about a year now. Yeah. How has it, how has the evolution been for you personally? Like the, the, the operation. Are, are you are you fine tuning things? Is the needle moving? Yeah, I would definitely say we're fine tuning things. Like I have obviously having a GM is really helpful. Um, there's just structures and processes for everything, whether it's the training in the back, there's like a probation period and training manuals, like the handbook in the front and, um, you know, even just down to like uniform and what everybody looks like, but everything is structured, um, our scheduling software is just like when I was at Applebee's back in the day, like everything's online and you can just, you know, post a shift and someone else can take it. Like we're just functioning like a real established, Mm. almost like corporate restaurant. Um, I'm working on building our franchise model right now to be able, I would love to get into like stadiums and stuff like that with like a short menu, the stuff that made us like kind of get on the map in the first place, which is like our steak and cheese egg rolls, which I know vegan, but they are, um, we have some items that are really easy to franchise, but we're kind of just very structured now. Everything has a process. I always say, even when people ask us questions, sometimes we'll say, can you try to use your resources first just to see if they have the opportunity to learn without having to go to us so that, so I was, I mentioned during the pre-interview chat, um, that I was a commercial pilot and they always used to pull us the training because like what they want to do is they want to train you like, yes, you ask the question. Yes. I know the answer, but you, so don't you, right? Because you know where to find it, right? What, what they would say is, I don't know. You tell me, and that was their way of saying, yeah, exactly. Find the answer because yep. it exists in this giant book right here of regulations. Yes. So yes. learn how to find it, uh, and that, that's what you have to. But you can't expect somebody to to know or to go find it unless you haven't put it someplace, right? right. So you need that right. operations manual. You need the 100%. systems, processes, procedures. You need to help build make it possible for your your employees to have these habits of going to get the answer right so right so what what is that process where did you go to learn about systems processes procedures restaurant systems in general like you had never been in a restaurant before working in like running a restaurant so like where did you go to get all this information 
Um, I'd say just the, the structural stuff when it comes to like training guidelines and, you know, side work and closing checklists and all that stuff. That was really kind of natural for me with my background in sales management. Yeah. Um, just creating a system for everything. And when it comes to the restaurant systems yeah, themselves. Michelle's giving me shit for not having a checklist my cameras. Yeah, I know. <laughs> he was setting everything up. I'm like, how do you know to do everything? He's like, it's all in my brain. I'm like, but you need a checklist. She's right. Um, everything needs a checklist. <laughs> um, but that's a Capricorn in me. But, um, but yeah, I mean, just being in regional management kind of taught me all those things on how to structure. And then when it comes to the restaurant softwares, I mean, like I said, I'm 33. I've grown up in the era of computers. They're all pretty easy to me to navigate. So that part's pretty intuitive. Like I can just, you know, I understand. Like if I was dropped into a restaurant as a server for a day, I'm sure I'd figure out how to put the food in. It's no different to learn the restaurant structures like that. It's just a matter of knowing where everything lives, what your contact is, you know, even, but again, a structure sheet, we have a list of all of our programs, all of our soft softwares, who our contact is at that software, what their phone number is. So it's like toast isn't working, go into the sheet. Okay. This is the toast guy's number. Give him a call. And so like having all of that stuff to be able to back us up for support protocol. Yeah. Protocol. Exactly. This, then that. Yeah. This is the landlord's name. This is what he takes care of. This is his plumber. This is that, you know, just having like everything living somewhere. Google drive is the best thing that ever happened to me. Everything lives on the drive. All of our rest, our recipe, books we have like a shared um pianta email address that has all of our recipe books in there um as well as like our closing checklist our inventory check at the end of the night like everything that we do to make sure that we're in a good spot everything lives online on the drive so if i need to add something to it i can just add it and it's going to be there you don't have to like print something different or change a process so yeah honestly just my background and my background and then just being inclined to using technology you put the two together and it's been pretty seamless to adapt everything into running a restaurant i love it so what's the vision for you where are we going you said you wanted a franchise um what's the big picture where are we headed to what's the goal uh, you know there's a few different trajectories um i would love to have multiple piantas with investment Um, I would like to have financial backing and franchise this and open up many locations. Um, That's the idea for the business. For myself, I think I would love to continue pursuing individual work as well as growing Pianta as a business, meaning personal chef work for me, doing classes, and then continuing a journey on Food Network. I would love to continue doing that. I loved doing it. Um, you have a great personality. Uh, they, yeah, oh, that's really such do. a nice no, you're compliment. Like, like I could see that like, you would do really well. You know, I love it. And I've grown com- like comfortable over the years. Yeah. Like it's it's taken at first I was like so nervous and yeah. shaky. and um, But I don't know. I think, you know, People get nervous to turn 30 when they're in their 20s. And I'm like, listen, the older you get, the more you're just you. And it's a beautiful thing. Like things that used to matter just don't matter. You're just who you are. And it's lovely. You start choosing your fucks, the fucks you give. Absolutely. Like, (laughs) and like even the jokes I make sometimes, I'm like, that was ballsy and hilarious. Great job. You know what I mean? Like, whereas before I would. Should I have said that? Yeah. You know, you're like, I wish I made that joke. But so I don't know. It's a beautiful thing. But um, yeah, I would love to continue putting myself out there a little bit more. I've just started doing the classes um in the first i just did the first one second one's next week it's bi-weekly because we're closed monday tuesday but i love it i love getting hands-on with people especially um you know there's some people being vegan they're they're there because they have a cancer diagnosis and they're trying to make changes and to be able to influence yeah. people in that way i saw a crazy stat the other day that 50 percent of all people will get cancer wow that's real For men it's 50 percent. women it's a third that's real i mean 
That's what Google said. That's scary. Said. I'm not sure why I was Googling this last night at like 10. Oh, please. If yeah. you saw, sometimes I Google things just so I'm like, if I die, this can't be the last thing I Googled. I have to like throw like kittens playing with like, un- you know what I like to look up? I like to look up animals that are unlikely friendship pairings. So like a bear and like a dog that are best friends. But sometimes I Google stuff. Like I have this like black dot on my toe and I'm like Googling that. And I'm like, if I die, this is going to be the last thing I look up. The first two search results were uh, herpes and cancer. And I accidentally <laughs> clicked on herpes. So I was like, oh no. That's when you got to clear that out. What is going to happen to you? <laughs> and that's the last thing we have. We're like, I don't know. Like, God damn it. <laughs> um, but yeah, 50%. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, we got a lot. And so we try to like, but people come to the, so you'll get people showing up because they're like, I don't know what this world is, but my doctor says this is my best shot. Being able to connect with those people and help those people. And even just people that can't cook. Like if you can't cook and you're vegan, that's a double whammy on being able to make good food. Like you're, you're really going to have a hard time with it. Being able to show people what, you know, jackfruit is what hearts of palm is like these ingredients that they don't know and how they can repurpose them into something familiar i love it so for the business i'd love to expand um and franchise model and then for me personally as my own brand i would love to continue doing personal chef work and classes and continue pursuing kind of food network opportunities and see if i can get in the door there so the mission statement is to i'm still working we decided I want to lead. They say you should start with why, right? Mm -hmm. So our why is to change the world through inspiring, empowering and transforming the restaurant industry. I think the restaurant industry has the power to change the world because I don't think people realize how connected everything is. Mm -hmm. And we literally like it's food. It's like the, we are who we are today because of food, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And I, I just don't think that we give ourselves enough credit as the second largest industry in the world. I didn't know we that. can change the world if we dig our feet in and we start forcing standards and, and communicating and educating the consumer about the importance of what we put into our bodies and how it affects everything, you know, mm-hmm. but we have to do it collectively. Mm-hmm. So on that note, what do you want the future to be? Like, well, how do you how do we go into the future better? Like, what's a better industry for all of us look like? I think that there's a lot of, um, well, one, you know, obviously I believe in plant-based being a big part of what the future looks like. And I think one of the missions that we have here at Pianta that I stand firmly behind is being incredibly allergen accommodating. Um, I think that's a really big deal that people get to eat how they want to eat regardless of how their body is made. Um, but I think just creating a better culture, I think people that make food, people that work in the industry, they're often kind of overlooked when it comes to very basic employee rights. I think that it's important to offer health insurance. I think it's important to pay fairly. Um, I think it's important to train these people and give them goals and allow them to be ambitious and allow them to tap into the things that matter. I think it's important to cut out the very accepted um, culture of alcoholism and drugs and all of that stuff. I think that it's, there's just a there's an ick to the culture in some ways that doesn't have to be there. Making food and serving food can be a beautiful experience. It's always going to have its bumps. Everything, everything in life is always going to have its bumps. But I think the standard of what we allow to be acceptable in this industry um, needs to be changed. It needs to be a fulfilling work environment where people can thrive. I agree. I think we got here because of naivety and just ignorance, honestly. Yeah. I don't mean ignorant. Ignorant is a negative word. It just means you don't know. And how hard the job is, how, yeah. how much by the end of the night, all you want is to throw a few drink backs right. and sleep. Like, cause it's just so, you know, and, and, and I think a shift in just what the environment looks like is so, so important. But the cool thing about the world we live in now is that there's no excuse to not know anymore because yeah. the resources yeah. are there and people are open. You, this podcast, right? Yeah. There was no other way 
for a busy restaurateur doing 80 plus hours a week to go read a book or surf the web and be still. We just, we're not still people. Yeah. We don't sit down and read. But the cool thing about how accessible information is today, it comes in the form of so many different medias, video, audio, you know, like you don't, you can have things playing in the background, you know, like there's ways to learn and to educate and right. to, to, to move information, you know? So I think that the future is super bright. I think we're the, inform, the, the industry, you're seeing it happen. Yeah. Like over the past five years, there has never been a more transformative time for the industry. I mean, it's transformed a lot over the hundreds of years, but in the past five years, like change is happening. Yeah. And feeling success in so many different ways, not just the financial element of success, like finding success in the way that your people feel, finding success in the way that you feel when you walk into those doors, that it's not a chore. Like success comes, I think happiness is, and, and is what success is. You know what I mean? And figuring out what, Obviously, finances are a huge part of it. If you're if you're financially struggling, if right. you're not meeting payroll, like you can't be happy. But right. I think looking for that fulfillment in multiple ways and investing into that fulfillment in multiple ways, like you're just going to have a better experience. Like I like being here. I yeah. like this place. Like I feel good when I walk into this place. So in order to transform the world and the industry, it starts at transforming people at the individual level, right? So how have you personally transformed in your time as being a restaurateur? Oh my gosh. I mean, I have really thick skin now. The things that, you know, I always, I always joke that I wish I could go back and talk to myself two years ago and, and, you know, let myself know that the things I thought were such big deals aren't the biggest deals ever. You know, I, I would get so caught up on things. Um, but I think for myself, I just, I can roll with the punches. I'm super adaptable. I'd say if anything, I'm very, very adaptable. Something you have to be. Yeah, you have to be. Like the world is constantly changing. Constantly. Yeah. And and just like if something, you know, in the middle of service, like you, you know, all of a sudden you lose hot water and it's the middle of a Saturday night before it would be like, oh my God, what are we going to do now? It's like, all right, get pots on the stove, boil some water. We just got to get through these shifts. If we need to go downstairs, get the plastics. We're going to go, we're going to use disposables for the night. Like, is that ideal? No. Is it better than no service at all and canceling resis? Yes. And just being like, Come up with a plan, stick to the plan, delegate the plan, and get through it immediately. All that stuff before that would like derail me, just it takes a lot to derail me now. It takes like a really, really lot to even have me feel frantic. Mm. Um, and before, I've been feeling frantic every day. I would be like, oh my God, like the anxiety. And now just like, it takes a lot. So much so to the point where I've had my GM be like, like it's like you don't understand the severity of this. I'm like, no, I do. I, I just see the solution. Yeah. I see problem, I see solution. No, I have to see no solution at all to really be like, this is a problem. Right. You know? Uh, being emotional to a situation isn't a solution. Never, ever. It gets in the way of solutions. 100%. And yeah. so I'd say the biggest thing for me is that I just roll with it. I just figure it out. I'm super solution driven. Yeah. Jackie, my mentor, I brought up way earlier that unfortunately passed. Um, that was her solution driven. Everything was a solution. You know, you don't come to her with a problem unless you have three ways to solve it and you guys can talk through it. Um, and I take that with me. I actually think to myself all the time, what would Jackie do? Um, and that yeah. kind of navigates how I, how I approach this stuff. But yeah, finding solutions real, real easily and without kind of fret is definitely the biggest thing that I've I've learned and, and grown into. I just wrote a to-do list of make a, a list of potential mentors for Michelle. I'm gonna make that happen. For I you. would love that. I, I oh, that would people. be so yeah. that would be so nice. Um, it's on my to-do list. It's gonna happen. I'm getting better about adding things to that list. Yeah, when it comes into my head because yeah, it doesn't yeah. get on that list anyway. Uh, I've really enjoyed talking to you. You too. I'm, I'm happy I made the stop in Rhode Island on my way back to New Hampshire from New York. It was totally worth it. Thank you. Uh, we're gonna take one more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we're gonna bust out a speed round. 
This episode is brought to you by Reachify. Are you overwhelmed by phone calls during a peak mealtime hours? Why let the phone ring when Reachify can direct callers to online ordering, reservations, catering, and so much more. Instead of losing business, automatically turn calls into orders. Infuse your phone with smart technology that can save you time and money and increase revenue for your restaurant. And while Reachify is paying for itself, you can allow your employees to focus on other tasks instead of taking orders and answering facts that are easily found online. Driving digital sales should be a priority as it's been shown to lead to stronger loyalty and higher ticket averages. Not to mention you're getting that precious customer data that you can market to. Reachify, be in control of the conversations you want to have when you're able to have them. Hop on to reachify.io slash unstoppable to find out how to revolutionize the way your restaurant does business. And when you use that link, get one month free after onboarding. Again, that's reachify.io slash unstoppable. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often, Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-Day Pilot Program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals. Recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. P. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. RestaurantUnstoppable.com slash RSP. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? People can sense my passion. They know that I care. They know that I love what I do. And I they, can sense it. Yeah, they tell me all the time that um, my food's made with love, which is something my aunt always said, which is super impactful to me. But What's your biggest weakness? Ooh. Is it your passion by any chance? Yeah, probably. Um, I'd say my biggest weakness is my own brain being my enemy. I just get in my own head a lot, a lot about some stuff, and um, I could have the most success in the world, but I sometimes convince myself that I don't. Mm. 
What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team beyond yourself? The people you're interviewing, what are you looking for? Um, I ask them who their role model is and who they look up to. What do you look, what, what kind of answers do you like to get? I want them to have someone that they look up to. I want them to, cause it shows that they have ambition and there's something inside of them that they, um, admire and they're looking to, yeah. to grow themselves to. It's a good way to get an idea of someone's values. Yeah. Yeah. What is the biggest challenge you're dealing with today? Um, I'd say the biggest challenge I'm dealing with today is understanding how to step away from my business and have my business run close to the way that it does when I'm in the four walls all the time. How are you overcoming that? Uh, you know, I'm just trying to narrow down like what it is that I bring to the table that makes it so successful and how I can find people to replicate pockets of that. No one's ever going to be me. No one's ever going to love the place. Like I love the place. I accept that, but I can find pieces of me and other people and put them together to form what it is. What is one code of conduct or behavior, a core value you teach your team? Communication. Mm. Why why is that so important? Because I think it eliminates, if you have good communication in any relationship at all, it eliminates almost all issues. Yeah. Yeah. What is your, Biggest, or sorry, what is one uncommon standard of service? So this is something that's common within the four walls of your restaurant to go above and beyond guest expectation, but not common throughout the industry. Um, I'd say two things. I'd say from the positive perspective, it's the way that we handle our catering and doing custom orders and being able to have people call us and say, um, I'm having a party, do it, and us completely running with it and them giving us and giving the confidence to say, hey, check this off your list. It's done. We have it now and giving people that peace of mind. But from the service standard in the restaurant, um, I would say how much we own a mistake that we made. Like if we have a ticket come out at 30 minutes and our ticket time is supposed to be 17 for that item, I will come out and I will say, I'm so sorry. We got slammed in takeout. It's not an excuse. Um, our standard is better than this, but I just want to like, I just want to let you know, like our standard is better. We'd love to invite you back a second time to experience the standard the way that it should be and just completely owning it. If it's not our standard, it's, if it's not our standard, tell them, own it and let them know what the standard is and that they didn't get it today, mm. but they will get it next time. I love that. Yeah. What is one uncommon? Why am I all over the place? I literally just asked this question. <laughs> what is one book that's a must read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Honestly, one minute manager. I mean, we've all we've all read it, but it, it, you just got to read it. You got to know it. It's like reading the love languages book in a relationship. It's just the bare foundation of of what you should know going into. Biggest this. lesson from that book. Oh God! I mean, the whole thing. I feel like is, I feel like it's still communication, being short and to the point, making sure that people understand what you're telling them, making sure people can repeat back what you're telling them. So if I have a conversation with you and there's a point that I'm making that if, you know, your friend says to you, Eric, like, what did you talk about with Michelle? You are going to reiterate the exact same messaging that I wanted you to have. Yeah. Yeah. Close of communication. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Repeating. Yeah. It's so huge. Like you can't assume you understand. You have to confirm you understand. Correct. Uh, What is one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Hmm. I don't know. I don't have, I don't have a gauge on what other your perspective as a consumer. Ooh. I mean, I think just checking it on the ground floor, feeling the, the ultimate goal actually on the ground, like on the, you know, battlefield of the restaurant and making sure that like, you know, you can have this beautiful mission statement on your menu and this and that, but like, what is it like when you're actually coming in as a guest? Like how is your host greeting people? Like, are they grabbing the door when they see people coming in or are they just standing there? I think just being on the ground floor. You are. 
Big time, hundred yeah. percent open book. Yeah, I really I couldn't fake it if I tried. Yeah. Um. And I and I feel just on a side note on that, I do feel incredibly lucky, very very grateful that I've been received the way that I've been received because I am really authentic. Um. I think it's I think you have to be in when you're putting yourself out there to people because people will sense if you're anything but yourself. And I just I guess I want to say thank you to the people that have supported me all of this time because I haven't been anything but myself. I love that. Yeah. Uh, what is one piece of technology that you were really excited about that you recently adopted or, or I mean any technology you kind of adopted within the past two years. So which one has you the most excited? Um this is going to be so silly, but it's the truth. Um, you can pay any vendor through QuickBooks and uh, just being able to do that because believe it or not in this industry, there's going to be random vendors that want checks and they only want checks and they want checks mailed. And it's like, what are we doing? It's 2023. And I can, anyone that makes payments difficult for you, um, you can pay them all. I can pay them all online right through QuickBooks the same way that they would receive a check. And So what's your favorite feature of QuickBooks? Just the, the, the accessibility of payment options or being able to pay directly online? Yeah, honestly, I think that's... That's, that's my favorite thing about it just because like our liquor vendors they always want physical checks like the food delivery company that just came in they're like a local produce company they want checks and it's just it's impossible to manage it sometimes they hold on to it for four months and then they hit your account it's just it's so easy you just reminded me that i need to hit up quickbooks to become a gold sponsor because i think that they're missing out on this opportunity to sponsor a restaurant and stuff there you go yeah there you go you just reminded me that's going on my list too uh i do love quickbooks i use it and somebody yeah. like me who's just not like attention to like structure oriented like having like those forced guidelines yeah. of like you have to use the system it forces you into doing all yep. the things plus if you ever choose to outsource bookkeeping and you're already on quickbooks yep they already know what they're Done. doing. It's, yep. a, it's a shared language. You know, it makes it so much easier. I'm yep. putting a note here. Reach out to QuickBooks. Okay. Um, all right. This is the last question. We've made it to the end. It's a doozy. So yeah. get ready for oh, it. Oh, goodness. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. Yeah. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be gone. Yeah. With your departure. Yeah. With the exception. Damn. Of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind. For the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Love the people that deserve to be loved. One. You can do anything that you want to do if you have a good plan and you're passionate about it. Two. I have a joke list in my phone that's been running for the past 10 years. Please find it and go through it and laugh at it every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Three. I've loved today's conversation, Michelle. You've been a lot of fun to talk to. Um, we do wrap up by having my current guest call out my future guests. I'm really trying to remove myself from the guest selection process. I think the industry knows best, and I want this to be a podcast by the industry for the industry. So who do you respect and admire? Somebody that you just fangirl over you know somebody that if like you found out there were a guest on the show you'd be like oh my god sign me up for that i want to hear this person's story and, and what they know <laughs> it's it's big but alex grenichelli i love her i met her when i was on the food network and i just love what she's about you need someone more local. She's a big one. <laughs> Alex Granichelli. I don't no, know. No, from Food Network. I don't watch a lot oh, of TV. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, I've never heard of her. I'm not going to lie, but I'm excited. It sounds like you're excited, and that excites me. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what does she do? What's her show? She's on almost all of the shows on the Food Network at this point. She was on Chop from the very beginning. Yeah. I'm you sure. probably know her. She's an Iron Chef. If I saw a photo of you her, definitely would. would the way her. that she approaches food, like she can do anything, but she, like, she'll make a roasted potato with like just the perfect sea salt and the perfect olive oil, and everything is just like, I always say I try to let the food speak to me. She lets the food speak to her, and I love her for that, so I would love to. Where is she based? 
I would guess L.A. or New York. I don't know. All right. But Look out. She's Alex. all over. Everyone that's listening to this is going to know who I'm talking about. And Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, Alex, look out. I'm coming after you. Um, you thought you were big before. Wait until you're a guest in a restaurant. Uh, what about locally? Locally? Oh, the owners of Blackie's. Blackie's in Smithfield, Rhode Island. I don't know their names, but um, their food is just amazing. They just they do the damn thing. All right, look out the folks over at Blackie's and Alex. This is going to be fun. I can't wait to get you on the show. And how can we connect? If we really enjoyed your story today, we resonate with you. Maybe we're a, a local business owner who wants to connect and maybe talk and mentor you, or maybe we want to come work for you because you're a badass. What's the best way to connect? Sure. So um, PiantaVeganRestaurant.com is our website that has a careers page and events page. If you have any interest in any of that, our Instagram is at PiantaVeganRestaurant. Same as Facebook, Facebook.com slash PiantaVeganRestaurant. Basically, if you put PiantaVeganRestaurant into your Google search bar, you are going to find us in any capacity. So thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you for having me. This is a blast. It was a lot of fun. You're a lot of fun. I can't wait to see you continue to grow. And there is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thank you so much. Cheers. It's been a pleasure. There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Chef Michelle Politano, for coming on and being a true inspiration. Honestly, I love I love stories like this. And I think that we live in a very like very unique time where you don't need tens of years of experience running and opening restaurants for other people to be successful in this industry. You don't even need to work in the industry at all. You can just have a passion and a talent and a desire and ability to learn and grind and you can do it. And Michelle is a great example of that. Just diving in, asking questions, learning, starting where you can and growing slowly over time. It's a huge lesson that we've learned here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Congratulations, Michelle. You're doing awesome. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want more episodes just like this one we need your support the best way you can support the show is by joining restaurant unstoppable network it's only 30 bucks a month that's a dollar a day and you get access to restaurant tours across the country who are aspiring to be great just like you beyond that you also get access to my guests not all my guests i can't force all my guests to join the network but a lot of them are Michelle joined the network. So if you want to connect with Michelle, head over, join the network. We're going to try to get her to talk in the network as well and reflect on. I know we had some people interested in the world of pop-ups recently and ghost kitchens and taking that path to start. So hopefully she can speak to that. Uh, And you can also support our sponsors. You can use our affiliates uh, and you can share the word about Restaurant Unstoppable. My goal is to get 20% of all restaurant owners listening to this podcast. I want 20% market share. Help me spread the word. Tag me at Restaurant Unstoppable Podcast on Instagram so I can thank you personally. And um, yeah, just thank you in advance. And we cannot say goodbye without saying thank you to the people who make this show possible. Thank you to Jared Parisi for your copyright in editing at Sumadre Podcast. If you guys are starting a podcast, reach out to Jared. Thank you to Callan Miola for all of your work in Restaurant Unstoppable Network. Uh, you're, you're doing an amazing job. And thank you to Anna Tazin with the Good Kind Consulting for your executive support and uh, mentorship. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.